everybody and welcome to episode 482 of Compensation Street. How are you all doing? I am Michael. I'm Gemma. And we've been married 11 years. It's our anniversary today. Happy anniversary, my darling. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that, that sounds like you just given up on it. <laughs> Did, has everybody seen the card that Gemma got me for anniversary? I put it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It was amazing. Gemma, where did you get this card? Was it, was it well, Etsy? I was just going to say, um, I didn't, I'm just going to see if I can find the person. Yeah, it was from Etsy. It might be written on the back of the card. Well, you will you find this out? I need to destroy the card because it was amazing. It was a Coronation Street themed anniversary card. That's why I'm mentioning it. In fact, it was a Alahanniversary card, wasn't it? It had yeah. Dev on the front, one of my favourite Cory characters at the moment. <laughs> and it was like a, it was a, it was a cartoon of that that weird picture of him sucking his finger, which I can't for the life of me remember where it came from. Um, but the the caption on the front said, "Till Dev do us part." I Jim, I thought that was amazing. Great character, great art. Great pun. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I, I, I got it from Painted by Naif, which is N-A-I-F. Oh, And um, there's some other ones that are quite fun on there. Like, there's a picture of Fizz and it says, time to crack open the... Fizz, I get it. And there's a load also, there are a load of EastEnders ones. Like... <laughs> You'd want that. Pat Butcher with, well done, give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> That's quite good, actually. Um, what else is there? <laughs> Um, There's quite a lot of funny stuff. Yeah, uh, well, some X Factor am stuff. I, am I am I like not allowed to get you a card from there in the future because that's your now go to place? Should I um, not investigate this? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna me? say there's a lot of choice for specifically themed anniversary Coronation Street okay, cards okay. here, but there was also another really good option that I didn't go for. Yeah, which is Haley and Roy. Yeah, and it said couple goals. Let's hope we don't come a cropper. Nice, nice. I I like this. Well done. Yeah. I don't, I'm, no, so that's I think Etsy you, painted you, by Nate. You got me the right one with Dev, though. I, yeah. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Well, no need to look further." <laughs> no, there wasn't. I opened it next to this morning, didn't I? And yeah. I, was like, you went, I think I had the right reaction. You opened reaction. it and you went, ha, 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 like in a really deep voice i got Gemma a birthday card i think it's a birthday card it says 11 years of awesome i think it's multi-purpose but it, it's i quite like it but oh yeah it's even if i do say it's Emma's help but it is not as good as yours well, thank my, you it's not a very big card my one no mine is bigger than yours very true <laughs> um can i say thank you as well to, to, to all the people that have given us anniversary congratulations on social media today i did honestly i wasn't like fishing. i was not fishing for them i, I just wanted to show everybody the amazing dev card that you got me mm-hmm. but anyway thank you all the same i very much do appreciate it we even had some me people too. like we had some, lots of people liking your card even like Connor mcintyre like your card Haley de madden like your card well it's like what they the it's almost like they went back in time and officiated the wedding then yeah 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 um Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this week's Coronation Street, i.e. the 2nd to the 6th of August, which is episodes 10,392 to 10,397. But before we get to that, of course, we need to do a reminder about our amazing Patreon competition that's still running. And um, on the subject of anniversaries, you have got until the ninth anniversary of this very fine podcast that you're listening to to get your entries in. And that is the 20th of August. August, Friday the 20th of August, you've got a couple of weeks. Gemma, what are the deets on the competition, please? Tell us what our cat's name is. We can't get her to come in the house because we've forgotten. Um, email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com 
and you could win yourself a prize which consists of a year's worth of our top tier patrons. And for that, you get a T-shirt as modelled by me at the moment. I'm wearing it. On I've still day. I've got like four or five t-shirts on rotation at the moment all the rest of my t-shirts are packed away for our eventually we will move box so yeah i'm, yes. I'm wearing my conversation street t-shirt right now it's so comfortable just, just give, it give is really stroke. nice yeah oh yeah oh gross um, <laughs> yeah you get t-shirt postcard you get access to the back catalog of patreon episodes but they're over 20 how many are there now 25? 23? Oh, no, don't oversell it. Well, that. you get... <laughs> it might be by the time they get this competition. Uh, yeah, you can probably get like sorted. two years worth of um, back episodes, plus another 12 that will be released month by month. Yes, it's, it's very Unless good competition. Unless we decide to call it a day on the marriage and thing. 11 years is pretty good going. It is, the 11 year itch, that's what they call it, isn't it? Oh. And then can we, we also thank you very much, as always, to Nancy, who's a... Thank you. Yes. But very... But she's the benevolent benefactor of yes. this Thank prize. You. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. Um, we've already had quite a few entries on this, but don't let that put you off entering. Um, we've had so many different. Why do you keep saying that? I don't. I'm just saying it for the first time ever. Um, we've had lots of different spellings of our cat's name. I nearly said it then. I know you're it such doesn't a matter. It doesn't matter. You know. You, you know. keep saying it. Um, Okay, well... Uh, yeah, we're not, we're not going to... To be honest, she can't spell it either, so... Yeah, it doesn't Anything matter. goes, as long as we get as the As long as we can call it out and That's get it to it. come in. That's it. Okay. I want to do a quiz. You do a quiz. Gemma, what is the first quiz question this week? I'm feeling well, good. I got, I got full marks last week, didn't I? I've got a good feeling in my bones. This my is the quiz bones. for the 2nd to 6th of August, years ending in 1 and 6. Where did you source this information? <laughs> I'm glad you asked me, because I have it written down. Coronationstreet.fandom.com Uh-huh. 2nd of August 1961, Flory plans to make a change to the opening times of the corner shop. Displeasing Ina, what is it? Change to the opening times? Oh, I remember there was something to do with this. It wasn't like Sunday openings or anything. No, I wouldn't have the question. Um, no, couldn't have been. Maybe, if, no, I'm going I'm to go for Sunday opening, because that sounds like the sort of thing that would get Ina's hen in a twist. Yes. Yay! Second of August, nineteen seventy-one. Who does Emily Nugent get engaged to? Nineteen seventy-one. Yes. Leonard Swindley. No. Oh, that was too Ernest late for Leonard Bishop. Swindley. And five oh, years gosh, to the course. day she's pawning the ring because they're broke. Oh man. Second of August, nineteen ninety-six. Which member of the Platt family goes missing? I missed the date. Nineteen ninety-six. Yes. Nick. Yes. Goes off. Third of August, nineteen eighty-one. Len and Rita take in their first foster child. What is their name? First foster child. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't Sharon. Um, I think they had, they did a bit of a dummy run before she came along. M- Mark? Is it Mark? Mark what? I don't know. No, it wasn't. Oh, it was John Spencer. John Spencer. Okay, I don't know where I got Mark from. 4th of August 1971. Hilda is thrilled about a new possession and boasts to everybody about it. What is it? It's a colour TV. It I just is. know that because I saw a Crow PG tweet earlier on this week that mentioned <laughs> it. Thank you very much, Crow PG, for that. 5th of August 1991. Jim helps set Andy and Steve up with a new hobby that he thinks will keep them out of trouble. What is it? Um, it's not the radio, they're fine. They find that out themselves. I think, I think it's just doing up the bike, doing up a motorbike in the backyard. 
What's the answer? Doing off a mic bike in no. the ra- radio. Radio. <laughs> oh, I don't think it was the radio. Right. Every single time you've answered these questions today, you've gone, oh, it's not the real answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, I, the only way was down from my full marks last week. 6th of August, 1986 is the final question. Okay. And you've got three right and three wrong. Oh, man, it's all based on, the, it's all on this one then. Betty is hurt... When it's revealed, the brewery doesn't want to rehire her. What was the date of this? 1986. Oh, gosh, yeah. Betty is hurt when it's revealed the brewery doesn't want to rehire her. For what reason? Too old? Yes. Yes. There you go. Yes, four out of seven. Okay, I'll take it, I'll take it. Uh, Birthdays. He's got a birthday coming up. 7th of August, Shobna Gulati played Sunita Alahan. Oh, lovely. We've just been watching her appear on um, on the old Coronation Streets, haven't we? I have to say, it's a good week for birthdays. Go on, week. go on. Tina O'Brien, who's the third actress to play Sarah Platt. Helen Flanagan, Rosie Webster the second. Amazing. 8th of August, producer John G. Temple. 11th of August, director John Gorey. Gray O'Brien, who played Tony Gordon. Alan Housel, played Tyrone Dobbs. Thirteenth of August, Susan Jameson played Myra Booth, director Nick Phillips, Richard Hawley played Johnny Connor, and Colson Smith who plays Craig. That Tim. is a good bit. Everybody wants to have their birthday on the same week as our wedding anniversary, don't they? Obviously, but don't Obviously. forget it changes slightly every every year. Ah, don't worry about it. Okay, right. That's it. That was a quick intro today because we've got stuff to talk about this week. There's been a fire and everything, so let's get cracking with street talk. Right, this is Coronation Street. I thought got better as the week went on. I really enjoyed tonight's episode. There were some bits about earlier on in the week where I was feeling a bit like me about, but no, good. Uh, I'm glad they pulled out all the stops for our special day. Um, for the first time, own storyline just oh, it's getting it's getting hotter, poignant and harrowing. It was very oh, it's so harrowing this week. So harrowing. We're calling it Burn Baby Burn. That's. All. I, I said you can't call it that, but you don't. You never listen. To I me. was going to go with the staple Al Remover storyline title, which I was very proud of last week. But it, it, I think Burn Baby Burn fits a lot better. I'm very sorry if I've offended anyone with that storyline title. Um, next up, we've got the Eileen and George romance. Um, we never. I don't think we ever had a storyline title for that before. So I'm calling it the Eye Opener because Eileen is opening up to George. Mm, I am not so, so sick good. of them. Not so good. Um, and also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bung in tonight's um, Todd and Shona stuff as well, which is tangentially related. Um, Shona in the cars, so of course we call this part of the storyline title Car Show. Um, coming up next, you think you, you've given me two... I've got two options for this Ardy and Summer storyline, yeah? You said that I can pick, because I had some other options for the other ones, and you, you chose. Um, I, I did not pick... <laughs> you did not pick Burn Baby no. Burn. No. I just went, okay, I beat it. I, I, I overruled you for that one. Um, Summer Lovin', we could call this one. Maybe that's a little bit obvious. Or maybe we call it The Ard Couple. The Ard Couple. Yeah. You can, you can... It's good, The Ard Couple. You, I like that one. Um, we've got a return of a couple of other storylines after that, starting off with the stretched Armstrong story, because Izzy is still working her little socks off and sewing her knickers at home for no good reason, apparently. We had a little bit more of the character's profiled story, which was uh, the big news last week, but um, it kind of it fizzled out after Monday this week. And then the storyline title is coming back because we are getting closer than I think we've ever had before to having an actual Aretha Franklin. There's got to be a wreath at this memorial garden. I don't know that... Then my amazing Aretha Franklin storyline title will finally mean something. I don't think you bring 
cut flowers to a garden. Turn up. Right, burn, baby, burn. What happened this week? Oh, so much drama. I'm uninvolved. I'm, I'm, I'm not blaming you. I mean, think she protested too much. Did you set fire to the flat? <laughs> <laughs> no one can prove anything. Right, so started off on Monday with Emma deciding that she's going to move out. Well, no, she agrees to move out so that Alina and Tyrone I... can buy it. I thought they were already going to buy it. I, I don't know anyway. I she's... think you've just written that because you didn't know why she was moving out. But I think she was moving out because I can't remember. I'm losing track of time completely here. But Tyrone and Alina were talking about the sleeping arrangements for who's going to sleep where yeah. when the baby comes. And to start off with, they said the baby's going to sleep in their room with them. But then it's going to have the other room. So this is a three-bedroom flat, somehow. Yeah, don't, so, don't so, think about hey, it no, too listen, hard. I am thinking about it, and it is hard. Um, so the kids have got a room, and then Emma's got a room, right? Mm. But they're going to boot the kids out of the room and put the baby in the room. And Alina and Tyrone's solution to this is to have the children sleeping in the, on the sofas in the front room. Now, the front room is connected to the kitchen and the dining room, and the living room, and the doorway to the to the you know the front door. So that means that if Emma wanted to stay living there, whenever the children were around from like the, the like eight o'clock at night, she wouldn't be able to use any of the communal areas apart from the bathroom, <laughs> and she wouldn't be able to come in and out without waking the kids up. It's a good job she's gone then. Thank goodness she's found a boyfriend. I would have left a long time ago if I was Emma. <laughs> I was surprised that that um. That portrait on the wall hasn't scared her off because she was quite intimidated by that at first, wasn't she? True, yeah. I also can't, like, literally can't believe that the solution was, oh, we have a sleepover in the in the living room. It'd be so much fun. <laughs> well, really, like every other day, you're going to not be able to use your living room from eight o'clock at night or your kitchen. That's madness. <laughs> so um, we then cut over to um, to find out what. Um, Tyrone and Fizz or something are going on. Anyway, we, we've got, I've written in the notes here and I can't remember why. This is today's excuse for Ruby not being in the programme. She's off at an adventure playground with a friend. We did see a little bit of Ruby this yeah. week, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, she had an appearance. Yeah, yep. she did. She did very brief. And Hope's got a cob on. Tyrone's trying to cheer her up by saying that they can have Emma's bedroom and that kind of seems to cheer her up somewhat. So she um, she heads out into the yard and then this teddy bear that she um that she'd stolen last week, the one the one that, whose head she'd ripped off. Um, she she has a look at it just to remind us that it's there. But I did appreciate the bin cam that they use Actually, so that we could get cam. to see it from I don't know last night dinner's perspective. Or maybe the teddy bear's perspective. Maybe maybe. Um. So so they said that the kids can have Emma's bedroom, so it is a two bedroom flat. You you really got. Uh, I'm really got a bee in my bonnet about this. I don't know. I don't care. It's all it's we've really enough, burned down soon it anyway. It's burned so. down, so it doesn't, it's irrelevant. Tyrone tells Evelyn that he's not exactly doing cartwheels over Phil and uh, Fizz splitting up. So sad we didn't see Phil this week. I think we've seen the last of him. Um, he wants the best for them, he says. Evelyn says, look, I know that you're doing the best for the girls. Um, so I, uh, I believe you, it's all right. Um, then we get to meet Emily Brontosaurus who is Hope's little cuddly dinosaur and makes really makes a lot of viewers up and down the country wonder whether Coronation Street has got a thing about um, Jane Austen. Naming the chickens. Is Emily Bronte Jane Austen? <laughs> no. no. Sorry, we don't Bron- all have English degrees. She's, she's an author. Oh, is she? she I thought she was a Jane Austen character or something. Well, that shows what I know. But 
well, I mean, Coronation Street seem to have forgotten that they already did this joke. I'm only chicken. a primary school teacher, Gemma. We don't do that. So, <laughs> anyway, Emily Brontosaurus, named after the author, um, is um, apparently for this new baby because or she, she says to Tyrone, oh, you've lost the teddy, haven't you? Um, I did think that was a little bit odd how she was offering up her dinosaur. I didn't know whether she would, you know, put a bomb inside it or something. It was but It felt like it was an actual like, it... kind of benevolent gesture or was, it, was she just covering up the is fact that Is it full of she's... anthrax? I don't know, I don't know. But anyway, so that's all good. So at work later, Alina tells Sarah that she's not feeling well. She's worried about the baby. Can I go home, please? Mm. And Fizz says... I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah. Fizz says, well, you, I think you should go to the hospital, get it checked out, actually. She, I thought she looked a little bit suspicious sending Alina really? to the hospital. Really? I didn't think so. I thought she just looked concerned. Oh, it's just nice. Um, so um, meanwhile, Tyrone's trying to drum I up interest for a party. I think you're coming this from a man oh, yeah, probably, probably. point of view. I think especially a woman who'd had a successful pregnancy would think... Mm, not that this. successful it was hope that she gave That's birth true. to <laughs> could have gone better <laughs> if I was uh, writing the report on that one. Oh, congratulations <laughs> um, Fizz it's an arsonist <laughs> um, so Tyrone's trying to draw up interest for this party did I mention the party what earlier? Party? He's um, he, Alina's feeling sad that she hasn't got any friends she joined the club nobody on Coronation Street seems to have any friends so Tyrone so, so they agreed that they're going to have this party together oh yeah um, cocktail but, party yes 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 but um, people aren't really sure because oh, Kirk doesn't know what Fizz is going to think nobody well, wants to take sides who wants to go to a cocktail party in honour of a pregnant woman who can't drink alcohol <laughs> isn't that not really awkward I think, I, don't, I think it was just a friend's party Oh, yeah, I've, um, I've organised um, a baking party for my friend Mohammed. Would you like to come? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that would Maybe be not. appropriate. <laughs> so um, this is when Fizz comes along and finds Tyrone and says, oh, Alina's feeling bad. She's gone off to hospital. You better go and find her. So he rushes off, leaving Hope upset and abandoned once more. Um, oh dear yes so we, we, we cut that. to the I'm hospital sure later on, on and Alina's having a scan oh it's all a bit tense but the baby's fine and then despite the baby not being old enough for you to be able to tell the sex how do you know this I read it on the internet right good that's okay. where I get all my baby facts this 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 kid is well, like the babies can't tell you themselves can this they this kid is like 8 to 10 weeks or something and apparently that's too early but that never mind that they've got well, super scanners at obviously, Weatherfield General a young Andre has a giant dong <laughs> maybe maybe um <laughs> Uh, yeah it's a boy it's, it's a, a boy. boy she's like it's a boy or it's got three legs yeah yeah that's how you know and Tyrone mm. so proud so so proud and maybe a bit jealous as well so <laughs> they it's go back really home ladies you you thought I know, I'm you sorry. Us. I'm sorry um, it's alright so Hope comes around the flat brings this dinosaur along Alina's pretty chuffed that she has earned um, Hope's forgiveness maybe I'm well she's also happy that she's having a Baby boy. She is. And um, I don't think that Andre would want an, a dinosaur called Emily Brontosaurus. Maybe a dinosaur that's called, like, Death McFang Talon or something. You Maybe. know, something really manly. Yeah. Do you... Um, when we were looking at um, Romanian names a couple I'm of months ago... I'm pretty sure we said that was one of the popular ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, I... All the way through... Andre Dobbs. This... Andre Dobbs. <laughs> Andre Pop. Yeah. Andre Pop Dobbs. <laughs> Andre Dobbs Pop. Um, what were you going to say? 
All the way through, I found this story really, really good, really interesting, so much conflict, really well um, plotted because there were so many bits where all the characters completely naturally were at odds with one another and it doesn't always happen. Sometimes we get very clumsily engineered scenarios where people's motivations just don't really feel genuine. But this, completely, this was such a universal story, I think. Any, any child who is the oldest... Um, when a new baby comes along, especially if it's an opposite gender, and the you know, and the parents are sort of excited about something, some mm. a new a new baby, jealousy is completely natural. And then of yeah, course, hope was already pretty jealous, but then finding out that it was a boy in Tyrone saying, "Oh, I always wanted a boy." That was awful. What poor, what poor what didn't hope. get mentioned as, unless I missed it was the fact that for a little while, ten years ago, Tyrone did believe that he was the father of a boy because Jack was. Um, it's supposed to be his at the beginning, yeah. wasn't he? Well, and I mean, maybe he's he like, oh, this Kev's. reminds me of when my my son was taken from me. Yeah, no mention of that. No, so I on. think sometimes it gets a bit too complicated to bring up every M- Maybe Kevin should have said, no, don't worry, Tyrone, sometimes I forget that I had a son once as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the fumes in the garage or something. Yes, yeah, so as you say, Hope overhears this and she gets uh, pretty knocked about it, doesn't she? And it was so painful as well just to watch girls. No, honestly, I'm going to get a bit political here, but... Um, like globally, we know that girl, you know, babe, girl babies, even you know, are aborted because they're unwanted, and everybody wants a boy for some reason. They're bloody stinky. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like just to see how upset Hope was, and to know that um, people favour boys over girls is really sad to me. I've never understood that. We're oh, great. What? We're great. Mm, there's a lot of you about I don't think we need so many (laughs) (laughs) so you're uh, eating all the food (laughs) (laughs) hope leaves um on the way she swipes these keys off the table the ones that have got the little scan um key ring in that Alina was given last week big scan key ring so back at home hope tells Fizz about what she heard and how excited Tyrone was and everything and Fizz is also pretty devastated by this there's a there's lots of great you know front on camera shots of Fizz this week where like the colour drains from her face and yeah and, and she kind of realizes as well that Tyrone's wanted a boy and what this well, means yeah, to him. Well, yeah, she's probably thinking and, and I couldn't give him a boy. It also feels more real because mm, up until this point you know. it was just, you know, a collection of An cells idea. inside um, Alina's uterus. Is that where they're stored? And yeah, no. now it's, we, now we, it's just um, real. We have a, a special um, a detachable organ that we just sometimes put in boxes. Okay, good. Um, so Hope goes up the stairs and as on her way there, she we, she dangles the keys in front of her for what I thought was an unnecessarily long period of time. But it was just long enough so that they could play the advert break music. And it yeah. did remind me, I said on Twitter, of that bit back in the 70s where Gail holds her engagement fingered ring. No, engagement ringed finger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> out towards the candle for a good 20 seconds Camera, or so. Candle. Oh my god! I don't even know what I'm talking about. But so, so basically, you know you're criticising I mean. it for something where you can only remember one example of it happening before through the yeah, entire I can't even sixty-year run. Yeah. So they're doing all right, really. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. So Alina's having a little nap later in the second uh, part of the episode. She's naps. not feeling great. Um, she tells Tyrone that um, he should still go out and have a nice time and everything. Leave me on my own. I'll be absolutely fine here. I will not come to the evening that has been thrown in my honour where you're going to drink alcohol. Well, she's just feeling... No, but I'm saying, like, what a bust this uh, this idea was for a party. Maybe. I thought, I I don't know, I didn't didn't mind. 
What it would be like if I said to I you, never take Alina's Michael, feelings into account for in your any of them. birthday, we're going to a cocktail bar. You don't have to come. <laughs> it wasn't a party in her honour. It was to get her more friends. And she oh. doesn't even want to turn up. She wonders why she's got no friends. Fine, whatever, whatever. So um, Fizz sees Tyrone in the street. She, she's gone and she kind of gives him a bit of a snitty congratulation about the news and everything. Um, well, yeah, because she he didn't know that Hope knew. No. And she's like, she overheard you saying how great it was. I hope you're happy. Yeah, he says, I'll have a word with her. It's fine. So Fizz tries to talk to Hope herself when she goes back home. And um, she promises that Daddy loves her and Ruby's not going to love him any less with a new baby around. And Hope says, I don't want anything to do with this baby. I don't even want him to be born. Oh, dear. Stomps upstairs when fizzles as her to an early bedtime. So I don't think that at this stage that would, that kind of behaviour would raise any warning flags for me. No, of course not. That's what I'd say if I was a kid. That's what I'd say if I was grown up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it, it, it... escalate somewhat during the week doesn't it so do you think that hope really did what everyone thinks she did well let's so tyrone turns up at the hotel chariot hotel? square hotel oh. of course the only hotel in weatherfield kirk's already there um it looks like there's just the two of them turned up so it's a bit of a damp squib of a party beth's are backed out because she again she needs to stay on fizz's side here but they end up having a few nice drinks together they talk about what did they talk about there's a funny thing about oh it's eating soup wasn't it and um and the the utensils you need for it and why have a bowl when you can eat straight from the saucepan and why use a spoon Mm, when you can just we know someone like that don't we we do know someone like that um a bit like that why even heat it up we also discovered a new utensil this week you did a splayed. Do you want to? Well, when we, when your um, lovely great aunt died, we went to her house like a swarm of locusts, mm. and um, took many things. Well, I did, and one of them was the vast majority of the cutlery drawer, which everyone thought was hilarious. Um, but one of the things I picked up was this is really intriguingly odd and kind of ugly, but fascinating, like weird, forky spoon thing. Which turns out to be a thing called a splade, which is like, um, a, it's a fork with a like a, a scoop, but like edges that you can cut with. I would say that it does nothing well. But it's a, so it's a combination of the three main. And then I got really excited and I looked up all the different sorts of cutlery there are. Like I thought it was just a spork, but there's lots of other th- combinations. I re- highly recommend you look, yeah, look investigate. This up. If they're cutlery. interested, I in was this. reading the Wikipedia entry for cutlery last night. Like it was the most fascinating thing, I've, and it was <laughs> absolutely fascinating. Lockdown fun. And it's not even it's not lockdown. Even lockdown. <laughs> um, anyway, Evelyn sends Fizz off to the shop with some money to buy some treats for them. They're going to have a girly night in together. Going to watch a film, scoff some crisps and chocolates and ice cream and everything. So I'm um, off you go, Fizz, to the time shop for Evelyn. Take a very, very, very long time, Fizz, because I'm going to go to sleep. Hope's going to go and burn down a flat. Well, so. listen, is it suspicious that it took Fizz so long? I think she had a reason, but I can't remember what she said. Now. And was Evelyn really asleep the whole time? Yes. And who else could have done it? No, but it was, it was hope. I think hope. that... Um, We're not there yet. You let me just say one gun. thing. I think that it's obvious that Alina has an evil brother who's come t- from Romania... And what would mess. this brother sound like? What would he say if have, he were here? I have come to kill you. Because everyone's favoured you more, even though I am firstborn son. 
I don't think so, but, you know, I'm not going to... You never believe in me, Alina. discount the idea. I can kill you and your baby. I, I don't know how naturally it's going to come up in, in, in later podcasts, but we were, well, you were developing the whole pop family tree. I know. Just a couple of days ago. We'll, we'll see. It's is a chance for, for Mama Pop or Papa Pop to, uh, to pop up pop in, pop. in the podcast Aww. later on. Um, but, so anyway, so, Evelyn's, Evelyn's asleep snoozing. on the sofa. Hope sneaks out the back door. Um, she kind of she goes up to the flat where Alina's having a bit of a snooze on the bed. Um, I don't think we'd seen um, the bedroom. Fizz and uh, no, I mean uh, Alina and Tyrone's bedroom before, had we? First don't one, remember. maybe, maybe. We certainly heard a lot about what goes on in that bedroom. Well, but I we think don't this need, is the first time we were invited within. Um, so hopes that she she sees this dinosaur on the cot um, and also a lit candle um, over by. The side, so over on the over on the kitchen area or something, wasn't it? I don't know. Alina knows. So and uh, so then we cut to Alina later, and she's as she's sleeping on the bed. There's some smoke coming in from under the door. Sally and Eileen are outside. They see the smoke um, coming through the window. The uh, fire alarm's beeping, and Sally kind of reacts. But to be honest, I I, I would say that maybe Sally Dinover and 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 uh, Sue Cleaver felt a bit like they were phoning it in without performance. I can't maybe believe it was you nearly said that. home time Honestly, or something. Honestly, that's really bad. It was like, oh, there's a fire. Better phone the fire brigade. Oh, I know there's lots Whoa, of what, fires on that, the street, the and future? maybe it, maybe they can't all be as as novel as the first time you saw the Rovers catch fire in 1986, Sally. But I was probably That's feeling it then. Really, that to, to be honest, of all the performances that we have let slide through and not said anything bad about sometimes not great performances, and you pick this I, to complain about. It stood out to me as neither of them seemed particularly bothered. Me. Well, maybe they were like, well, it's only Alina. <laughs> well, maybe it is, maybe it is. And there aren't actually any flames, it's just a smoke machine underneath the door. I'm going to say now that the whole fire thing on Monday was a massive letdown for me. Oh, I didn't and I know they can't all be Victoria Court fire rovers, fire kind of level. You want people screaming with um, flames behind them. It was a bit naff, I thought. We still got COVID there was a... restrictions in the filming. You could a fire purifies. It would have been perfect. He wouldn't have had to spray it down with disinfectants at the end. They're not going to be like, okay, right. So we we spoke to the health and safety guy, and he said that actually this time we're allowed to burn you a little bit because it counts as sterilisation. No, they can. They can. I just sorry. I thought the fire was naff. I thought it was pants. The payoff at the end of the week was good, but I w- I didn't think it was particularly effective on Monday's episode. I'm well, sorry. So Sally and Eileen's reaction was maybe just true to that I guess right, that's probably fine. how I would have we've reacted. heard it now Tyrone gets a phone call from Eileen uh, not Eileen Evelyn Eileen can't be bothered um, so and then he dashes off to go and find out what's going on there then gets back to the street finds everyone crowding around an ambulance <laughs> Eileen hasn't been bothered to phone Tyrone she just sent him a, pic, a text and it's an emoji of fire and that drunk face with the tongue hanging out <laughs> yeah maybe maybe um, uh, well maybe maybe they used a little um, little 
the, the, is there a smoke emoji? There's not, but there's a little puff of wind one. Yeah, maybe a fart should... emoji. <laughs> yeah. She's Either saying... Alina's burnt up to death in a fire or she's, a, she's got a case of explosive flatulence. One or the other, you need to get back to the street, she's Tyrone. Sent... And she sent Tyrone <laughs> pop a by pic... name, pop by nature. <laughs> sent Tyrone a picture of a fart emoji and a rolly eyes emoji. <laughs> anyway, it's all drama in the street um, when he gets back. Apparently An amb- not ambulance there. No, it's not really. I'm just picking it up for Corey's sake. Um, You're being right, Alina's being wheeled you? into the ambulance, stretched in there. She's inhaled a lot of smoke, but it hasn't touched a beautiful face. Oh, good. Um, Fizz watches the ambulance pull away from the pavement. Meanwhile, Hope has managed to get a crack across the street pretty quickly. And she's Ina Sharple's curtain twitching away, looking kind of evil, like she did it. Oh, dear. And that is Monday. Wednesday, we have the hospital again. Tyrone visits Alina there. She's pretty much fine. Um, and this They're is, very happy. They, they are because... Um, they, they didn't die. They did, yeah. All, all's, all's well, ends well, but it hasn't ended yet. They decide to call the baby Andre at this point. Ah, oh, they love each other. There, there, there. Over in the cafe... does he buy her a present as well? Uh, some kind of baby. Yes. Oh, was it a baby grow? Was it, was like, it another sale for Michael? I think it was a T-shirt that said something about I've got a baby or something. No, I thought it was a baby that said I've a got baby? a... baby? No, I thought it was a baby He's bought a baby from a shop. <laughs> He's like, look, I don't even know why anyone gives birth these days. I've read get... what happens in the script <laughs> later this episode. I'm just going to keep this one. <laughs> um, no, I, I thought it was a baby grow, but I don't know. I Yeah, wasn't it something to do with the dinosaur, though? I don't know, I don't know. Um, so... Evelyn learns from Tyrone that he's about to meet the fire investigation officer later to try and find out how this fire might have started. Hope is there at the time, kind of glaring in. Immediately blames Alina. She's like, she was the only one there. Had to be her that said this fire. How would you know? Yeah, Hope. Yeah, Hope. Yeah, how would you know? Continue. Probably everybody's been saying that she was alone in the flat, but never mind. How was the fire? Um, So, look. How was the fire? Hmm? How was the fire? Hot. Wasn't as bad as it could have been. It was not as bad as it could have been. I've written in my notes here. I mean, and who they... wrote? Who said that? Fire officer. How often? Investigation. Yeah, man. but literally, how often is it? This is probably as bad as it ever could have gotten. Like, how often do people say that? I can only think of two times in history where you can say, well, no, three times. Great fire of London. Not as well, bad as it could have been. It could have been worse. It could have been the whole country on fire. Yeah. 9-11 was pretty much as bad as it could have been. Yeah. Any others? Um, the um, earthquake in Japan. That was pretty bad. That's about as bad as it could have been. Mm. And what was the other one? Oh, yeah, World War Two. That <laughs> was pretty much as bad as it could have been. They're, they're high up there in your top five natural slash man-made disasters. <laughs> the fireman's like, it's not as bad as it could have been. Think of all the terrible things like the Great Fire of London it could have been. Yeah. Could have burned down the whole street. To be honest, we did see inside it later and the way that they represented the fact that a fire has taken place is there was a bit of a grey filter over the camera. They put soot everywhere. Oh, no. They did. Okay, okay. I think I just was... What is wrong with you? No, I was just a bit down on the story this week until today. Okay. So, um... Yeah, this this, this fire officer been. has been taking hints from Craig's books. He's like, I can't really tell you. I don't want to... I'm not allowed to say how I think it started, but oh, go on then. There's a candle. There's a candle. There's the remains of a candle by the cot. Um, Alina um, finds out that it was this candle, apparently, that caused the fire. Well, no, it was. Um, and she blames herself. 
Um, yes. She's packing, but everything's okay because at least they're fine and the baby's safe. Oh no, wait, they're packing to go home later. Um, she's told her next scan is in six to eight weeks. And at the time I thought, oh, okay, maybe you know, the storyline's going to go on hiatus for a little bit. Next filming block's going to come in then we're going to come back to it. But no, as she um, is getting ready to go, she realises that she thinks she's bleeding. And not from, not from her nose. Or, um... Michael. Sorry. She's bleeding from... Michael, you don't even have to say. She just said she thinks she's bleeding. You don't need to be such a dick oh, about this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're being a dick. She loses the baby. She has it's, a miscarriage. It's really the baby sad. Is gone. Um, and because Alina immediately blames her, herself, she thinks it's her fault... And she says, I killed our baby. And it's really sad. I honestly was watching this and I normally, it doesn't really affect me. I don't really find these stories. Um, because the thing is about Coronation Street is that they've got a really bad track record with miscarriages. We said before, if you're pregnant on Coronation Street, we haven't done the stats recently, but for the last time we talked about this, it was a 50-50 yeah. as to whether you're going to give birth to a baby if you're pregnant on Coronation Street. Um, and you know you're pregnant. Um, I don't think it's that bad in real life, but miscarriage is sadly incredibly common. And I think just the fact that all the things I've read recently from women and talking about the experience and how sad it was and how excited... The other thing about this is that very, very rarely on Coronation Street do you get a character that's genuinely excited about having a baby. Quite often it's like, oh no, who's the dad? Or, whoops, I didn't mean to get pregnant. How, I mean, they didn't plan on this, but we have spent a lot of time watching Alina and Tyrone getting excited and planning way more than we've spent watching any other character who's got pregnant before on the street preparing for a birth. And the fact that she was so excited, and she is a very sweet girl, very innocent, and um, it was, you know... It was just really tragic to see her break down, especially when she thought it was her fault. I completely see what you're saying, but... You don't need to say any more. I, I, it, you, you say that often, with these miscarriages or whatever, it doesn't affect you, and I can still say that this one didn't really affect me. I didn't in particular. Uh, I, I'm not saying that miscarriages... In, obviously, in oh, real right. life... You don't need to. But I wasn't watching it feeling really, really sad for I, her. I found this really absolutely tragic. I was not expecting this to happen, for a start. I was surprised to I was find... surprised. I was definitely surprised. I didn't um, know it was going to happen. And I think she's... Because she's so young as well, and she's just so excited, and she just gave herself completely to the idea that this was going to happen. And me, as a pessimist, anytime anything good happens in my life, I'm just waiting for something to go wrong. So it was nice watching somebody enjoy something that's a very natural and happy thing but then it to be turned into something tragic and inhumane like a miscarriage especially when she blames herself for it because she thinks that the candle set the fire and she did that that really upset me i think maybe it's just partly because it was alina and you don't need to are... make excuses i'm not, I'm not you, making I'm excuses not having a go at you. i'm just saying not everything affects everybody but you don't need to... What did what did get me a little more was when Evelyn has to oh. tell the girls about this because Maureen Lippman, I love her, 
And um, she she's the one that she she gets the phone call from Ty, doesn't she? And or was it because I can't remember? And then she has to sit them down and says, "Oh, Daddy and Alina are going to be sad for a while." Then she's not having a baby anymore. You're going to need to give them lots of hugs. And I thought that those lines were delivered brilliantly. I think she's I I you know, can't sing her praises more. She was really good this week. She didn't. Um, they didn't really give her. They didn't lines have loads to do, did they? There were looks. It, but she wor- worked so well with just a look. Yeah. There was a bit later on where she's sitting and Fizz, uh, Fizz is like banging on about something and you can tell Evelyn is thinking, I've just lost my great grandchild. Mm. You know, I, I was, you know, she she's mad at Tyrone, but that was still a member of her family who's gone. And, and then she kind of snaps herself out of it because nobody's there to look after her, mm. are they? Everyone's relying on her. Well, the, the very last shot that we got of um, Evelyn this week was great as well. It was just like a you know, half a second, if that, wasn't it? Her closing the door. Um, yeah, she's so good. Uh, and then just kind of, yeah, dissolving. She's had to keep being, you know, the strong one. Because nobody even expects her to have these reactions. They, like, just take it for granted that she's going to, you know absorb their emotions mm. and I think what she found difficult in this scene where she was breaking the news to Hope and Ruby was the fact that these girls didn't really seem to get it R- Ruby we young. didn't get much reaction from um, and Hope just gets mad doesn't she she's like the this this should have made daddy come home because she's like is he going to come and live with us now and she's like no she's going to go yeah, back with Alina yeah because she basically thought go with Alina. Um, the baby is the only thing yeah so she she together. stomps off and Evelyn's like, something's, oh something's not right here. Um, so anyway, um, Evelyn and Hope again go off to speed dial to get some lassie or whatever later. Um, and then as they walk past the flat, um, Evelyn has to explain to Hope why the police are there. And Hope's like, if somebody made the fire, would they get in lots of trouble? Hmm. So um, back at the hospital, <laughs> Alina cannot Damning. face leaving. She can't. She doesn't want to go home. She says maybe this is a punishment. See, everything she... about what Alina was going through and saying, I thought was so well written and performed. And I just felt like I was in her headspace for some reason. Like she was saying, oh, it's my fault. Um, this is a pun-. Like I can totally understand her thinking, you know, we we did we did something wrong, and now the universe is getting back at us by taking this away. Yeah, I I I, I totally get it. I totally and also, get it. imagine now you're homeless, basically, because the place you should feel the safest, where you want to go when you're sad, is now just a wreck, and you can't go back. Well, I thought that Do they you could feel go back. Nothing for this poor girl. I, I they didn't. can go back, Michael, but it's a fire. There's a fire there. You can't sleep in the house when it's full of smoke. No, I thought the idea... They've gone to stay at the Rovers. They do go... They go and stay at the Rovers, but I thought that that was Tyrone's choice. I thought that he says, because she thinks, I don't feel like I can sleep Right, are you blind? Did you not see what the flat looked like? (laughs) You can't sleep in a smoke-filled flat because there's... The fumes are still in there and there's, like, dirt and grime everywhere. You're a maniac. (laughs) Evelyn later I'm make on, you sleep in a bloody looking a bit shack. perturbed. Fizz is back home, worrying about how the girls are going to cope with all this that's going on. And Evelyn says, "You know, I hope's been asking some unusual questions." To be honest with you, and Fizz kind <laughs> kind of knows what Evelyn's been hinting at because she's been feeling this. She must have been thinking the same thing too. These two people living in a house with a proven 
arsonist and pyromaniac. And they, they like, lit, they, she's literally there going, Whoa, fire's beautiful, mummy. It cleanses all the sins away. And they're like, do you know what? I'm starting to wonder who, whether somebody set the fire and who it could have been. <laughs> well, Evelyn says, just hope no more about this fire than she's letting on. And Fizz, even though she must be thinking it as well. She doesn't like the accusation. She doesn't like that someone else has voiced this little niggling worry like, that must have been going through her head. I didn't like the way everyone pussyfooted around this because honestly, if I was if I was there and I was Evelyn, I wouldn't be like, oh, do you think Hope knows more about this? I'd be like, do you think Hope killed, like set the fire and killed the baby? I don't think I'd be like, hmm, hmm. No, Does she I think... know more than she's letting on? What is that? What are you insinuating? No, she needs you, to go softly, softly that... there. I know, but the way, she's, the way she says that, it's like she's insinuating that Hope's got some kind of friend who also sets fires <laughs> and they've got they've made like a pact where, like um, Strangers on a Train, where the bloke, the, her evil bloke friend who's, a, who's an arsonist sets fire to Alina and then Hope has to like go to Nottingham and set fire to someone else's baby <laughs> in return and then they can't be traced back. Yeah, maybe it was like that. But anyway, um, Fizz's kind of clams up when Evelyn tries to you know, broach the subject with her and she's like, no, anyway, Hope, Hope wasn't Couldn't even be. there. She was here, wasn't she? And Evelyn realises that now's maybe not the time to push this any further. Well, so she was she, also asleep. She was. She, I don't, so really, I don't is, blame is her for... Is it all her fault? No, I yes. don't think so. I think it was Evelyn's fault. You, you got, you've got to guard... If, if you've got a small child who likes setting fires and a very flammable lady who she hates living in a flat nearby, you don't fall asleep and let her escape with a lighter. I, d- I don't know much about, you know, parenting and babysitting and things, but I, I don't blame Evelyn for falling asleep. I'm sure it I'm happens joking. all the time. I'm joking. I know, but I think I've, I've seen some people online saying it's Evelyn really? partly to blame because she shouldn't have fallen asleep. Anyway. Um, She's, she's allowed as many naps as she wants. That woman's a saint. Tyrone and Alina go back to their burnt-out flat. Um, Alina's pretty gutted, as is the flat, apparently. Didn't see much for it myself. Fizz sees Tyrone in the street and offers her condolences to him and she kind of starts digging for information about how the fire might have started um, and, and learns that it's a candle. She she leaves with a bit of a sigh, but I, I, I wasn't sure then what she was thinking, whether she was thinking... I think that, she's thinking... That's not, elite, that's not Hope's, you know, weapon of choice or, well, oh, they think it was an accident. accident. Yeah. Um, but she, no, she's a mum, right? And I know she knows that her kids set fires before, but she'll take any chance to grasp onto an idea that it wasn't Hope yeah. that did it. So yeah. she's taking this and going, look, Relieved. I'm not even going to look into this. But it's the, the, the idea is not going to disappear out of her head, but it's just been... Um... It's died down. It's a little ember at the moment in her mind. So Alina tells Tyrone at the end of the episode that, hmm, I think that the uh, candle has been moved because I definitely put it over by the window. But now that the fire officer says that it was by the cot, what's going on here then? I did think it'd take um, quite a long time for her to put two and two together there. But never mind, I'm glad that they did that episode. I don't understand as well where the candle was because the way they were talking about it is like it was in the cot. I think it was just supposed to be underneath the cot. Underneath the cot, like it's some kind of cauldron. Yeah. (laughs) What kind of, like, surely if I was Lena, I'd be like, there's no way around this. I definitely didn't 
put the candle in the cot. Well, this is what she's saying, and she thinks that everyone's thinking she's crazy for, for coming up with this. I mean, I've made a cup of tea and put it in the cupboard once, but I've never set fire <laughs> to my house with a candle by putting it underneath the cot. She was feeling a bit peaky, wasn't she? Can make you do crazy things, baby brain. Well, I don't think so. Tyrone and um, uh, Alina have a bit of a hug at the end of the episode. And I wonder how did they do that? It definitely Who did he hug? Um, the did Tisha Mera, Tisha Mary come onto the street again to give Tyrone a bit of a hug at the end of the episode? It Who wasn't knows? her because it wasn't Alina because they made such a big fuss about Not showing, showing the her back head. of her head. <laughs> Um, anyway, Friday morning then, Alina can't sleep. She's uh, there at the Rovers, like you said. She's convinced there's something fishy going on um, with the with the, uh, with the the fire. And she's like, do you, do you believe me that I'm not going crazy about this? And he says, oh, yeah, of course I believe you. But he's not really sure. I'm not. I think she, he thinks that she's seeing things that aren't really there. But, oh, how that changes this well, episode. Well, the thing is, you can understand her desperately needing it to be somebody else or something else because otherwise she otherwise is it's then her. responsible. Yeah, she's the one that's responsible Not for that her. she is responsible. No woman is ever responsible, no matter what anybody tries to say, for a miscarriage. No, no. Certainly yeah, not mean, in a situation like this. She says that the fire... I mean, they, they say in the episode that they can't say for sure that it was the fire that precipitated the miscarriage well, but we it's gonna had... go, it's gonna be in the back of your head forever she's isn't gonna it? believe so that. she wants to believe that it was somebody else because it's an it's a a more it seems like um we don't human beings don't like things happening for no reason and even if the reason is horrific we need something to say to ourselves to tell a story about how things came to be so even if it's actually worse for Alina to have somebody tried to kill her, literally, and kill her unborn child, that, to her, is a much easier concept to grasp than just the universe is horrible mm. and babies die yeah, yeah. before they're born. And that's, you know, that's that's it kind of worse for her to accept. Yeah. Um, uh, but, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, she's not the only body... She's not the only person that's... Um, on the case with this issue because Evelyn's still trying to bro- broach the subject with Fizz and Fizz is like, look, Jot, you've missed my Apple act. It was just a candle that Alina lit. Um, I think that uh, that was, Alina, uh, Evelyn hadn't known before that point, had she, that there was a candle. So um, she kind of backs down a little bit after then. Um, we see Alina in the Ty- and Tyrone in the flat later. She still can't let it drop. She wants to know why Tyrone isn't as mad as she is about this. Um, and then um, mm. a police officer comes over and says, oh, was it, was it a fire officer? I can't remember. Anyway, they say, um, yeah, there was also an accelerant used. So they're treating this as arson. And they don't go any further into that, do they? About yeah, what, what the accelerant was, was. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think maybe it was supposed to be like um, nail lady... Like there a, was nail varnish. Yeah, at I mean one she is point. a she is a nail lady. No, but there She's was nail, nail varnish remover. I remember saying to you, was it this week or the week before? Like that? Why is that there? Yeah, but anyway, I think it's probably supposed to be that, but they don't really get into it. it doesn't really matter, does I it? I think they may, know are, are they probably the saying the not saying what it is because the same reason that they don't tell you what the method was when there's a suicide because they don't really want to give people possibly. Yeah, there was an accelerant. You know the one. You know. Um, so <laughs> We're not going to tell you how to set want... fire because it's a secret thing. 
Yeah. You'll never find out. You've got to find out like a It's caveman. not like it just happens naturally sometimes, completely spontaneously. So the, they're asked who, um, who, were, who had access to the flat, who could it have been? And they say, well, maybe Emma, she wouldn't have done it. Obviously, but she had the keys. Debbie, maybe, because Debbie used to be the landlady here. Don't know. They, they don't have very many options to go with, to be honest, do they? And there wasn't a break in or anything, so they're a bit stumped. Um, Tyrone sees Fizz later and tells her the latest news. She's shocked. Um, but she cannot get home quick enough because so, she is now back thinking, OK, maybe it really was hope. Yeah, and they must have a sort of flat where the door where it closes itself, locks itself, because we don't have that kind of door. Um, I guess like, if not. I had a nap, it might, the, the front door might very well have be open. Mm. Not open, but unlocked. Like, anyone could come you in need, unless yeah, we specifically lock it. Yeah, the keys, didn't she, to get back in. Yeah, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, so he goes um he goes back to the flat, does Tyrone. Alina's tearing it apart, trying to find this scan photo keyring that Hope's had. She She doesn't know Hope's got by it. this point she is convinced that it must be Fizz. Uh, who else could it be? Somebody's tried to kill me, she says. Well I I kind of miss what well, why did she say it was Fizz? Just oh, because Because there's nobody else that makes sense. <laughs> Listen, yeah. you're Alina, you you've just lost your baby. You know that Fizz hates you and you've probably, she's probably feeling a bit of guilt there for what, you know, how the relationship ended. And that's probably projecting as well. And she's thinking, I don't actually know that many people and you really have to be motivated and you have to know the flat's here and you have to have the key. Who, how many people do I know who have all those things? And they literally listed the people and one of them is Fizz. And of all the people, Fizz is the only one that makes any logical sense and she actually has a motive. So why on earth would she not say it was Fizz? It's still all a bit circumstantial, isn't it? But okay. Well, she's not sense. She's not bloody trying her in court of law, is she? Not yet. She's coming up with ideas and she, she doesn't need to be rational now. She's had a horrible tragedy before her and she... I, th- I don't see anything wrong with her thinking... This is the most logical person here. So, um, back at um, number... Also, she's in a soap. <laughs> back at number nine, Fizz gets Hope alone. She tells Evelyn to take um, Ruby out for a walk and that's and Cerberus. Um, and she notices pretty quickly that Hope is eyeing her toy box down the side. I this toy box that I don't think weird. has been in the lounge before. But... I thought it was really weird that Hope's toy box had evidence written on the side of it. <laughs> don't look in here strange choice yeah this this toy yeah, box it's just a giant toy box says hope. hope written on it yeah um, so th- it was quite exciting that bit because they, they open the box or Fizz opens yeah. the box don't it they it was like, like in um, Pulp Fiction it was it was <laughs> and the next time that we see them together it, then, well, it's later yeah. on isn't it we don't get to see for a little while what she's found in the box I think by this point a lot of viewers would have guessed exactly what they found yeah but... it was pretty obvious but it's still a very interesting uh, choice to cut yeah there. yeah, um, and it made it more dramatic so Tyrone is, is round later on and um, he's asking about the keys because he's been, he's been sent well, by Alina well they're missing yeah and Fizz is acting very suspicious and then Hope comes up bounding down the stairs with her suitcase and, and says Mummies, it's too heavy uh, and Tyrone's like what, what's going on here then it appears they're doing a runner um, not guilty at all not suspicious I mean it couldn't slightest. have looked more suspicious if Hope had come into the room 
it could only have looked more suspicious if Hope came into the room with a big book that says how to get away with murder written on the front of it. <laughs> so um, Emma goes around the flat to see Alina later. Alina catches her up, gets her up to speed with everything. She, again, she says it's still fizz. Not that much goes on there. Tyrone sends Hope upstairs. He needs to talk to Mummy about this. Fizz is like, oh, yeah, we're just going to Wolverhampton. We're going to see my mum. And she says, yeah, we're keeping it a secret because I don't want Chesney to find out. Yeah, I don't know how... Family drama. Yeah. Um, she she says, um, he, he says, look, I, I'm going to tell the police. I'm going to set them on you. You, you. you know something, don't you? And this is when she admits that it was the keys and the dinosaur that they'd found in Hope's toy box and she says to the fire, it was hope. Now, I'd I'd thought about the dinosaur. I thought it was that. I think I'd seen some other people suspecting it would be the keys that she found. But it was both. two bits of evidence. Why not both? Lock her away, well, I mean, throw it, away the key. It really is... Um, before she gets her hand on them. Fairly, yeah, it proves... Pretty cut and dry. She's, she's stolen the keys earlier, didn't she? And that's how she got in to take the dinosaur. Yeah, so it's obvious that when... Back. It's obvious when she broke in that she was able to take the dinosaur out before the fire started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tyrone orders Hope downstairs and says, look, what, what happened? Why did you start the fire? And um, she's trying to stall and change the subject, which is kind of funny. And I like she this. Says, I just Tyrone's wanted like, Emily Brontosaurus. I like the way that Tyrone was like, ah, you're thinking, you're trying to think. You wouldn't need to think if you were telling the truth. Yeah, but she's, yeah, she's um try, trying to get away with it, but not, not doing a, a very good job. So, um... Fizz, Fizz is saying, look, we need to keep this a secret. This is, this is the conundrum for the rest of the episode, isn't it? This is where Tyrone and Fizz differ in their opinions on what they should do Can with I, Hope. I just need to interject here because it's very interesting. This story is very, very interesting to me because I am currently listening to a podcast about the Jean Benet Ramsey case. Do you remember this? No. Do you remember in the, I think it's 96... Um, in America, she was a child beauty pageant star who was murdered. No. You don't remember? You don't know anything about this? This is a really fascinating and very, very famous true crime case. And so the, the child was um, went missing um, on Christmas or Boxing Day. And the family, I think it's Christmas Day. And the family finds a ransom note, phone the police. The police come round. Um, everybody's milling around. The policeman sees that the dad is looking a bit antsy and says, why don't you look again around the house? The dad goes downstairs, finds the dead child in the house, brings her up, and from then on, it's a mystery as to what has happened to this kid. And there are so many different theories about who killed this poor child, because she was murdered, Mm. and what happened. But one of the theories, and... Um, probably do I have to say leak for legal reasons that we don't have any. We can't say this is what happened, but one of the theories theory. is it's not the top theory. But it's one of the theories is that it was the son, mm-hmm. the her brother, um, and that the the Ramses, the parents, covered it up, wrote this ransom note, and pretended she had been kidnapped, hid the body downstairs because they thought that if it came out that the son had killed the daughter, they would lose two children instead of one. I see, yeah. And this so, is what Fizz is kind of saying, isn't Fizz she? Is, she's This desperate kind of... She's already lost her guy in Tyrone. Well, it's not just that, but she, 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 she stands to lose her, her daughter. Yeah. Um, it's not a question of, you know, one or the other, but if it is for, you know, Tyrone is, is the person who would be yeah. the analogy. But um, 
And, and and she's thinking that she might lose Ruby during it as Wondering. well. Wondering. Ruby go and live with Tyrone so she'd just be left on her own. But it wasn't just purely selfish reasons, obviously. She was thinking, she was saying, I don't... Uh, I don't... I can't ha- I can't see Hope being carted off. She'll be... She's young, She's old enough to be criminally responsible for this. She'll be put in some kind of unit somewhere. I, I need mean, to protect her myself. Yeah, I feel bad for her, but in a way, Hope probably does need to be put in a unit. Yeah, yeah. Tyrone is uh, of because that opinion. Because let's face it, she's got she's very intense, and she's got a good glare. And we know that David's been trying to cultivate psychic powers, and he is like the last evil child on Coronation Street. It surely feels to me only a matter of time before Hope cultivates the ability to use her mind set fires and we need to lock her up before that happens she's gonna be like um what's that off the shining isn't she mm. little boy danny yeah yeah um fizz says i'm not gonna let you ruin her life mind? i don't know probably that's the that sort of thing you do tyrone says i can't sorry i can't turn a blind eye to this i'm gonna tell the police um Alina, I love this discussion. Didn't you find this really interesting? Yeah, I did. Well, let's get to the end and we'll talk Sorry. about what we think. It's fine. Yeah, it's all right. So Alina and Emma um, uh, have, have turned this house upside down for the keys and not found them. So uh, Alina comes marching around the house, banging on the door. She she wants to have it out with Fizz, but and Fizz is like, Tyrone, don't answer the door. You, like, we, oh yeah, this was she, the, yeah. You got to let her a... go, and Tyrone's kind of stuck between you know. Do his, I two two women there? Do I? I've said that I'm gonna. But can I just say I thought this was really interesting because um, it, it on the on the surface it's you know um, who do I pick between my girlfriend or my ex who mm. needs me more perhaps I don't know but actually it wasn't a choice because he just didn't do anything. Yeah, sometimes it's the easiest way. She I ends think Tyrone up going is home. definitely the easy way kind of a guy. Yeah, she ends up going home. Fizz says thank you, but um, he says no. That's, I, I still can't stay silent on this. Neither can Alina because the next thing we know that she is ringing the police. She says I'm, I'm sick of being patient. Um, I, and I'm going to do something about it. So Officer Craigie comes round, and she is. Oh, she's already said by this point this that she thinks it's Fizz. She says, "I, I, I accuse." Fizz Stape of trying to murder me and killing my unborn child. And Craig's like, okay, but what does Tyrone think? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I didn't know that this was 1955 and I had to get my husband's approval and sign off on every thought I had that popped yeah. through my head that wasn't to do with dinner and how to wash the children's clothes. Yeah, he he wants um anyway. So he he um he says that I'll so I'll look into it. Yeah, I'll look. He's into like he's it. not urgent. He's like he's like um to be honest, Alina, this isn't my top priority because have you seen the absolute state of the parking around here? <laughs> yeah, it's only a matter of time before somebody kicks off. Somebody's had their car and covered in honest, shaving foam. I mean, I think you know fires. I've heard. You know, the old adage, a fire never starts twice in the same flat. Yeah. So I think you're fine. You're safe, you're safe for the moment. Um, Unless somebody tries to burn down the Rovers, but that's been done. There's there's more twice. Fizz and Tyrone arguing. Been done? Twice. Fizz, more Fizz and Tyrone arguing, more of her begging him not to do anything about it. Um, she She says, don't take... Don't let them take hope away from me. Um, so... T- d- I thought this was great. 
Craig really well performed as well. goes over to number nine, knocking on the door. Evelyn's there, just come back from the shop, so she lets them in. But the house is empty. <gasps> what? He says, it's all right, I'll come back later. But, he knows where they live. But Fizz and Hope at this point are working their way down to the tram stop with all those bags. They're doing a runner, they're legging it. Um, but does Tyrone yeah. know about this? Yes, he does. It transpires yeah. at the end of the episode because... Um, While they're trying to get into the house, Tyrone's like... Oh, hi. I wonder where they could be. I've been off somewhere. He looks guilty about knowing, but he definitely knows that, um, and and he is protecting Fizz. And um, whatever, however she's trying to evade the law. Well, I love this. I think this just goes to show whether feel justice, isn't it? Craig's obviously going to say, what do you expect me to do about this, um, boss? That she's gone. Yeah. She went in the tram, and you know that there aren't any. Because this is a set. That'd be so sick. So how am I supposed to get anywhere? <laughs> like, you know, I know we always make a joke about the ring road, but we all know we're trapped here forever. And if she's gone off of the set, I can't follow her because there's no location she's in. <laughs> right. So um, we've talked a lot of our opinions about this story as it's been going along. But I, I know I felt I was definitely down on it with the whole miscarriage thing. Look, but it was worth it for me because... I just uh, need to... I, what? Say it again. Um, that... Um, you know, I found it I, I found it quite affecting, but I've also seen other people saying they didn't like it and they didn't found it find it very um compelling because they thought it was being used as a plot device and they found it um a bit hollow. But I don't think that's it totally it totally was a plot device, but that's what I enjoyed. I thought it was just on the right side of sensational by Friday. What's and I do difference? like a little bit of sensation in my coronation street. Between um, a plot oh, device and, and a story, part of a story. I don't know. I don't know. Because I th- I really do think but, that. Oh Alina here we go, is it is this again? Drama. Alina got enough time to articulate how it is affecting her. And not every tragedy that befalls people in real life can be the centre of its own story. No, I know, I know. And these things happen in real life. I think people... It's difficult. I think quite a few viewers weren't happy with the fact that Hope has kind of been made a murderer. Was it her? This is the thing. And has she fallen on her sword just for the, the, the... just for the sake of the plot. And... I really can't believe that Hope did it now. I just don't, I just think it's going to turn out to be somebody else or something else. But that's the thing Wait, that I'm she, st- stuck she on. She hasn't... Has she actually said, yes, I did it? I don't know whether we've seen her saying that, but Fizz seems so convinced. Fizz decided. And she, yeah, but she's she has had more time with Hope since this reveal t- took place yeah. than we have seen. So I know, but you surely... really keep double-checking and going, are you sure you definitely murdered no, Alina's I... unborn child or... I, 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 before the, the today's episode, I thought maybe it turns out that it was somebody else. But, but at this point, is, I think it, it, really, it really, really was. couldn't be anybody else because who could it have been? There's a, there's a part of this week where Alina says something She's like... Her head down recently. Who would have hated me enough to kill my baby or tried to kill me? She is right. Um, you know, you can make the case that if somebody were had the mental capacity because I think you're going to have to argue that Hope doesn't really because she's a child but if somebody had the mental capacity to understand that a fire kills people that then is attempted murder to to set fire to a flat when someone's asleep inside of it 
Okay, well, this this brings me to more of what I was saying about hope last week, and I know that everybody loves hope at the moment, and I do like hope, but I'm not, I'm not as much of a hope fan as many other Coronation Street uh, viewers seem to be. Um, she, uh, she she's not acting like she's a ten year old. I think they're babying her a little bit, and I saw some other people online saying this the other day as well. And I I know what ten year old children are like, having taught them for quite a long time, and I I think that she's infantilized a little bit, and I think that. If somebody her age were to do something like that, she would, she would know what she was doing. Now, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't think that necessarily the gravity of the fact that I have killed this baby and what this means would really sink into her, because I think for all that she knows, it, there's a, there's there's a possibility of her having this future brother coming along, but right then and there, it's just. <laughs> Alina with you know cells or whatever in her body and she hasn't she she doesn't so consider saying, it a human life that she's that she has taken so you're and saying when, that hopes we've got very advanced philosophical thoughts about the conception <laughs> of of consciousness and when when a baby when a when a group of, when a fetus I think that she she life. I think that yeah I think that she sees it a case of black and white she is pregnant and now I have done something and she's not pregnant. Great, that solved that but problem. But don't you think that children... I think children have a different idea of of babies as existing from the... You know, like, when you, when you tell a child, you say... You've got a baby in her tummy. Yeah. You don't go, it's a, it's a collection of cells which may or may not eventually form into a fetus which, once expelled from the vaginal birth canal becomes a baby i don't know i i think that that the fact that neither her nor hope really had her sorry no her nor ruby had a massive reaction of despair or whatever when evelyn broke the news to them i think it it really just was a case of in their mind she was going to have a baby and now she's not i think there's a difference between um knowing what because obviously this is philosophy, and I'm not really going to get into when a baby is because you know when a when a child in the womb is a baby and when it is you know whatever. Um, that's a completely different thing. But I think that she, it's very possible that Hope could say it is a baby, but I don't want it to be. So I'm glad that it's dead. Do you see what I'm saying? You're saying she doesn't even think it's really a baby. And she doesn't think of it like that. But I'm saying she does, but she's just glad it's gone. Mm. I don't think it, I don't think that she's really, really thought about the fact that this is a, you know, a living being, a soul or, or whatever that she has murdered well, in the same way that she must. She knows what murder is. She knows what killing is if she's okay. 10 years old. And I don't think that she thinks that she's necessarily done that or it's not as bad as maybe, you know, they're the bad murderers, as, as Mr. Phelan, who used to live a couple of doors down the road, that kind of thing. Well, I think, I think a lot of people probably, when discussing this, will spring to their minds another true crime case, which is more famous in the UK than it is, I think, in America or other countries. But it's pretty notorious, and that's the murder of James Bolger. Oh yeah. And so he was two. He was a two-year-old boy. Um, and he was murdered by two 10-year-old boys. And that is exactly the same age as Hope is now. 
And obviously the circumstances are completely different here. But at the end of the day, taking all the details out of this, we're talking about can a child conceptualise what it means that their actions have led to the death of someone else? Mm. And the Mm. arguments still continue because these children... um, there, there was a lot of controversy about how these two boys that were found guilty um, were treated and what ha- and what happened. And they got let out, um, I think, when they were 18. And one of them has gone back to mm. prison for um, horrible things that he's been doing. But um, the other one didn't. So it it's... It's really. I think it's fascinating because I distinctly remember this happened in 1993. So we would have been 11. I was at 11, you were 10. And I really remember at the time thinking, how can they say that they don't know what they were doing, these two boys? Because I know I wouldn't kill a, a two-year-old boy. I remember being kind of offended and also a bit fascinated to think, what, so I could just go and kill kill a kid that was younger than me and I could say, oh, I didn't know. Mm. You know what I mean? Like... I, I was baffled as a child to, to, to hear that people thought that as, uh, as I was, I couldn't understand that that was a crime. Yeah. Because I was thinking, yes, it is. So from my memory of, that, of this horrific event that happened in real life and how I reacted to it at Similar Age and Hope, I would say that she, you know, I think that children are capable of understanding consequences. Oh, yeah, they definitely, definitely are. But like you said, though, it's not exactly the same. It's not exactly the same at all, but I just find it very interesting. I don't think that it's um, going to be far from many people's minds when they're watching this. If so, they think about a 10-year-old child, you know, being responsible for the death of a younger child. Well, I, I've seen lots of people on, or some people online saying that when um, Hope didn't seem to have any kind of reaction other than anger when Evelyn told her that the you know, Alina had, had miscarried, some people have said, oh, that shows that she's a psychopath, she's... You know, she's heartless, she's cold, she's got no soul, whatever. And I and, and I, I, didn't take it to be like that. I, I thought that it was just a case she she didn't understand. Ex- or, in you know, it's, it's not the same as, in, in her head, she hasn't... So you're she, saying that she She solved thinks... a problem. Yeah. <sighs> and, and, and it wasn't a real person. I, I think that's what... She that's thought. What I, that's what I'm saying that she thought. But, you know, she she's going to at some point when she grows up realize what she's done and and maybe that's going to be you know within the next few weeks she'll realize what she's done or maybe in five ten years time she's going to realize what she's done but if she can't escape what she's done yeah now i I think if this if, if this is taking her away she must believe that she did it. Otherwise, right. she'd be like, "Why? Are we, what's going on, Mum? Yeah, I didn't actually do it." But the is, question is, did she? Did she put the candle somewhere? Yeah. And then somebody come in and disturb it. Did was it an accident? What do you mean? Um, you know, I don't really find it a com- a compelling excuse that uh, somebody who's already been seen to be a pyromaniac could accidentally set a fire. Mm. but it's you know it is possible that she had the candle and she was just looking at it because she likes fire and then she dropped it and then she was like oh my god what the hell do i do now and then she picked up the nail varnish remover because it's liquid and she thought oh quick and sprayed it on puts out fires and then it just went 
more flames. Yeah. I mean, it could have been that, but like I said... Like, she... That's the kind of thing that I could totally see a child doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because they don't... They, like, obviously, you know, <laughs> the intent is not old enough to know. But what I am saying is that definitely the, the mental capacity is that a child can understand at 10 that a mur- what a murder is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Whether or not she did that, I don't... I'm not sure. I honestly... Now I've said that scenario, I'm starting to think, like, that actually sounds like a kind of plausible thing that they could write in that would completely... It wouldn't exonerate her from... Why wouldn't it? She went into the flat. But she's still going to... She left Alina there because she was scared. That That would be the crime. But I think... I can't remember whether she said that she knew Alina was there or not. I think maybe she didn't think Alina was there. Well, then she's she's Um, off spot three then. But she's... Whether it's, you know, she meant to do it or not, she's still going to end up having to live with the consequences that what she did... I don't think that... ...has has led to Alina having a miscarriage, and I think that's something that would eat away at her but, when she's old enough to really, really understand it. Again, Coronation Street's put in a bit of um, plausible deniability here with Alina having her um, scan, you know, having her stomach um, pain, and then yeah. going, and unfortunately it is possible to have... I don't want to scare people that are pregnant. But, you know, sometimes it can be fine and then it's not. Mm. And that's unfortunately, that's what I mean. Uh, and it's it not, is another one of those things say, that you will never know. It's not, it's, uh, it's not really scaring anyone because it was on the show. Because that's what happened. She went and she they checked her and then they said she was fine. And then she suddenly said, I'm bleeding. And then it, she wasn't fine. Mm. Yeah, but even so, I think Hope is never going to know. And I think she's still... Of in, course, it, that's, the, that's the big thing about all of this is that no one will ever know Alina's not gonna know no no Hope's not gonna know Fizz isn't gonna know and we you know this scenario I've made up is not even necessarily remotely what happened Mm. speaking of not knowing where was Curtis yeah yeah speaking of not knowing um I would like to just take a brief moment to congratulate Coronation Street for keeping this miscarriage out of the press this wasn't spoiled I mean what I had seen unfortunately was I think I'd seen a a picture of Alina being wheeled into an ambulance and I think even like a few days after that but before it was broadcast I'd seen that there was going to be a fire and Hope was going to set fire so I had been spoiled a little bit and maybe that ties into a little bit about me being a bit meh about it but yeah definitely the whole miscarriage thing was um a definite surprise um and it's nice when that happens and i and i think it's probably as a viewer for the best that this baby isn't um you know isn't going to isn't going to she's not going to carry it to term or anything because it's made the storyline an awful lot more exciting well, for the yeah, rest I guess of the week and, and beyond. I don't want her. I don't want device. ties to be tied to him. I don't want her to always have his baby. We've got, you know, I, I'm I'm happy with the way that it's gone. I'm much and and you're evil. I know, I know. And the this storyline has been one of my favourites of the year, but it's been going up and down a little bit recently. And um, yeah, I'm definitely I'm I'm loving it now. So this is but, this is definitely what you're saying there about oh now it's more exciting. Definitely demonstrates the difference between plot device and being the plot itself. Because if you contrast this to what happened with Michelle and Rory, the whole story was centred around Michelle and how she reacted to what happened to Rory. Whereas Alina is like, anyway, who set the fire? And, oh, what a quandary. This is put Fizz and Tyrone Yeah, in. I know. But I still think... Um, I know, I understand. And it is very... I understand also some people got really upset watching it. 
Um, we had a lot of people on our Facebook group sharing very harrowing stories about their own experiences. It does hit you differently when you yeah, have experienced absolutely. something and you see it on screen, especially if you're not expecting it. We also saw people talking about the fact that we never, we don't listen to the in the continuity announcer at the beginning, um, normally. But I heard people saying that the they basically the, the they said there's going to be something horrible happens to Alina. Yeah. Um, watch out, and it's obvious from yeah, that. Yeah, that sport and it, didn't it? Yeah. So some people were sort of saying, okay, well that helped me, and other people saying, okay, I've had a miscarriage, but I I didn't want to be spoiled, which mm. is really interesting. I don't think there's any right way of doing this, and you know we can debate all day long about is it you know good or bad to. Uh, make entertainment out of things that upset people. Um, I I see people talking about this about miscarriages and it is horrible, but I never see anybody complaining about murders being you know the center of fiction and movies and you know <laughs> m- murdered like people get murdered in real life. Uh, too dark, too just, dark. Do you see Deborah? what I'm saying though? Nobody's That's... like advocating for there never being murders on television because sometimes it happens to people in real life. Mm. I think it's. I think if it's handled sensitively, I don't. I I don't see why it shouldn't I, be I, allowed. I think there's there's very little that shouldn't be on on the table when it's a. Safe. I really agree with you. I just think it's a matter of how is it handled, and you know, I can see what people are saying about it being a plot device. But from my perspective, as somebody who isn't generally affected by miscarriage storylines, I found it really upsetting, and I really felt. For Alina, and I think if is that the hallmark of it being well, <laughs> that's the thing. Is it only uh, justifiable if it upsets people? You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, what did you think about um, what Tyrone and Fizz have ended up doing? Do you think that? Oh, it's good, isn't it? It's it is good. I, I, I think anyway. I think it's good because it's like it. It feels inevitable to me that this secret, which they. Tyrone clearly should not be having a secret um, from, from, Alina. from Alina, but she's going to find out, say, oh, I'm going to well, dump you. Does not Tyrone get back together again, which is kind of what this, I want. This conflict is really well put together because it, everybody's got such a a strong motivation. Like, Alina, there's no way Alina's going to listen to anything Tyrone says to defend Hope or Fizz from what's happened to her and her baby. Mm. She, I completely understand and I'm totally on board with her motivations. I'm looking forward with to seeing Fizz, what happens next week when it becomes very clear that Fizz and Hope have done a bunk and and Alina's going, look at it, look how guilty it makes them look. They've run away and Tyrone's going to have to be like, oh no, I'm sure that's a, sure that's that there's a perfectly there, reasonable, yeah, perfectly reasonable explanation. explanation. Yeah. So you've also got yeah Fizz who knows her child's a monster, but what what is she supposed to do? about that like you said said earlier it kind of does feel that hope needs well, the some thing better is, support okay, she went away the to this magical she school in birmingham school for a year. and it didn't help no but then that also in my mind ties into something that i was talking about in the facebook group the other day whereby i thought that they're overusing hope's a pyro isn't that entertaining because they've seen that the viewers like that and uh, i think generally 
the viewership of Coronation Street were relatively ambivalent towards Hope before she developed these pyromaniac <laughs> tendencies. And Coronation Street is saying, oh, let's have her start another fire again. And to be honest, when I saw last week that she was going to be setting this flat on fire, I thought, oh no, here we go again. Hope's a, p- a pyro again. This is getting a bit silly now. Why they, is that? Is that all she is? Is she just one dimensional fire starter? Um, but You know, I would actually be really interested and I don't think this would happen if this actually did become a proper issues-based storyline about people who are pyromaniacs, because I know nothing about it. I don't even know if it's really a thing. I know that people set fires, but I don't know if there's some kind of deep psychological, like, you know, when you think of somebody who's an arsonist or a pyromaniac, what do you think? Like, I imagine somebody who's, like, deeply obsessed with fire and, like, almost without wishing to just is compelled like it like a compulsive liar but with fire compulsive fire yeah. yeah look if you can have a drug addict and you can have a sex addict then i say you can have a fire addict as well so so would it be interesting but i don't think that that's what coronation street no, wants. I, I just want them because i, I honestly i, I know, think a lot I of think... it is driven by the viewers going yeah demon child hope way because i because they these people really do exist and some i heard some some of them even actually get jobs as firemen because they love it. They just love fire. Maybe that's, that's the place and for when they, to... Um... And when there are big fires, what they do is film the crowds because often who, the person who set the fire is watching from the crowd the fire. Ah, OK. It just seems to like, be... It's like just, Hope was like watching a really... from across the street on Monday. Yes, but it's such a weird and fascinating thing to be obsessed with. Mm. I, I find it utterly amazing so um, maybe i'm a pyromaniac do do, do you what do you think is going to happen next then uh, and and one thing that fizz said um and earlier in today's episode was that like, i'd take the blame for her if i could do you think we're going to get to a situation because I mean, it looks mega like dodgy very... it looks super dodgy and, and you, you can't run away from soap justice so fizz and um hope are going Todd to be caught at some point or another maybe next week maybe they have a bit of a break and it comes back in a month or so but they're going to have to face the music is is fizz going to say yes it was me is she going to fall on the sword like angela harris did when um when katie clobbered her dad with the spanner and end up you know doing time and if she did do that would people believe her i can't i, don't, I can't remember how widespread the knowledge is that hope is a pyromaniac well um I think it's pretty obvious that Fizz is going to say it was her because she, like, you know, she set this. It's not for nothing that she said that. Mm. Um, and People. if she does say that she started the fire, everyone will just say, oh, well, that's where Hope gets it from. No. That's a joke, Michael. Yeah, I know. I, I think everyone's, yeah, everyone's going to say, no, it wasn't, it was you, so. It wasn't, it was Hope. It was Hope, yeah. But I, I, don't, know, I don't know what that means for Hope. Should we move on? No, no. I just, I, I want, I... I don't know what this means for the future of hope. Has this story, which has provided a little bit of sensationalist excitement, now ruined the character of hope? Is there no way for her to come well, back? Well, no. It for depends on whether we have a this. scenario along the lines of what I said about how how it got to be. <clears throat> you know how how the fire started. How how could it have been an accident if hope did it? And um, honestly, pouring what she thought was liquid that would put the fire out onto a fire and making it worse seems like... Mm. I mean, grown-ups do this. She's only 10. 
I don't think it's completely without the realm of possibility. We did. There, it was very prominent. This this um bottle of nail varnish remover on the set. I can't remember when it was this week or last week because I remember looking at it, and I don't know why I was drawn to looking at it, but I did go hmm. There's some nail varnish remover there. I wonder. I I think it was because I was thinking. Oh, I wonder if if you're pregnant. I wonder if the smell makes you sick or. If you're even supposed to use it if, when you're pregnant, because you know how they give you all these bloody rules, like, oh, uh, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to eat sushi, you're not allowed to have egg yolk, you're not allowed to go on roller coasters, don't shoot a gun next to your pregnant belly, like, don't go skydiving, <laughs> oh, blah blah, all these people. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I may, maybe that is the only way that she can survive and stand. It the will show, be a bit I... of a cop out because you know. Is she, she going to join the Tracy Club of getting away with murder? She, um, it's, you know, if she was a grown-up, wouldn't that be manslaughter? But she's not, she can't be capable. Mm. If, she's, if she's a child, she didn't know. She can't be expected to have known. And if she didn't know Alina was there, then... So what I hope is going to happen is, uh, is that they're going to come back at some point. Fizz is going to say, no, it was me. That's going to hang around for a week or so. And then it turns out that it was it was hope. But yeah, maybe she didn't realise what she was doing or, or, or something like that happened. So, but the thing but is, then, but Alina will find out that fires. I know, I know. Alina <laughs> will find out that Tyrone and Fizz have been keeping it a secret. She's going to be like, I can't stay with your Tyrone. And then Tyrone and Fizz will get back together again and everything will be fine. I also think Evelyn's um, role in the story is going to be quite interesting because she knows doesn't she she doesn't know yeah, but, but she, she knows, knows. <laughs> she she's gonna have to she's gonna be talking to tyrone next week and saying do you know what's going on here um i think that's gonna be some quite exciting scenes oh, i'm really looking forward to seeing that i think it's a really week. great story but i, I also really want sensational i want hope to stay in the show because i want this family unit of the dob stapes to stay together and i'm really fascinated to see how what long-term effects this has on Hope's psyche, and it's going to take five, ten years for us to be able to properly get oh, those Oh, it things. won't even. They won't even bother. Honestly, they're going to go, oh, Hope, you set the fire by accident. Yeah, sorry, I won't do it again. I've really learned my lesson. Okay. And then it's going to become a bit of a joke, like Tracy and her, and her murdering. And maybe, just like, get brought up every now and then. in ten years' time, we'll have a scene with a different actress being, like, sexy Hope going oh i remember i set a fire once and killed a baby and then like somebody says that's sad isn't it and then she says anyway oh, i'm glad i'm pregnant now you know i, what I mean? reckon they're keeping isabella fanagan for the long term to be honest right let's i think that's probably long enough for that one story so Gemma, let's move on to the eye opener slash car show story well, this is what i was saying we spent a lot of time talking about that story well it's been good that's what Corey wants um Monday, Todd is sad because Billy and Summer are being well, aloof. They're, they're, they're back from the hospital. They don't need him anymore. They don't anymore. need him, no. He's got no friends or family. Arlene's in no mood to chat with him either. And she tells George that she, he's gullible for forgiving him. And he says, um, she's just being a horrible bitch, basically. And George is just saying, I'm, I have sympathy because I haven't known this character. Yeah, Eileen said I've given him else. chance and chance yeah, I know. chance. And... I know. The amount of, yeah, the amount of times that sometimes you, you know somebody who's like Todd and you see new people enter their life and you're like, well, I could tell you, but you won't listen, but you'll find out. I'll tell you that for hmm. nothing. Anyway, on, Eileen comes around to the funeral parlour later to um, bring Todd's maxed out credit card 
Um, and he's like, thank you, but she just walks off. And Todd says, I'll find a mate's count to keep on because I can't get anywhere to live because of my maxed out credit card. Um, he still hasn't found anywhere, so George offers to put him up. And he's like, oh, when we get home, you can cook me a nice big roast. I'd really like that. Only joking. Let's have a takeaway. Let's have a takeaway, I yeah. thought that was lovely. I do like George at the moment. Um, on Wednesday, Eileen finds George with this very gregarious fellow undertaker who's having a great old time with taking it's her... a sh- lady. Sh- yeah, taking her shoes off and eating his biscuits. And she's she's kind of nose is put out of joint. And then George says... I want to be more than just friends with you. Let's let me take you to dinner. Goes to Preston's Petals to get some flowers and overhears Eileen telling Mary that he doesn't like she doesn't like George because Undertakers are gross. She just and says Mary's, it's a bit creepy and grim, isn't it? Handling all these dead bodies and everything. And Mary's like, oh God, don't say that. And Eileen's Ma- like, Ma- is she behind me? Ma- no, Mary's like doing really, really obvious gestures to say, he's in the shop, he's in the shop. And Eileen's like, oh, Mary, you're developing a nervous tick or something. And I thought, that's pretty stupid. It was very clearly obvious, plain as day, that Mary was gesturing into the shop to say George is in there, but Eileen, it completely goes over the top of her head. Eileen is very... I I don't think Eileen likes hints. (laughs) Anyway, she she walks off after having slagged off the entire profession. George comes out with his sad... Like, his his bunch of flowers go... Like, very comically. Droop, in my mind. Anyway, he says, well, I'm going to let Eileen off the hook. So Eileen, I.e. I'm going to dump her. Yeah, she's been dumped by text in the pub. Then George turns up with flowers and she's like, oh, good, you've forgiven me. And then it turns out that he's there with this other lady that um, he'd been talking to earlier. And she has a go at them and he says, you're rude and he cynical. Says, he says, you're the rudest, most cynical woman I ever met. And I think that's a pretty good word for Eileen, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Cynical. Um, the other lady's like, well, I'm leaving. Uh, this is too much drama for me. I'm going back to my husband, which I, I thought was hilarious. I love that little line. That's just the throwaway yeah. line at the end of it. I'm going back to my husband and his something about the collection. I can't remember what she says, but that Coronation was great. Street merchandise. <laughs> Eileen sees Mary and tells her what happened and she feels guilty. She was really interested. I hate this storyline. It really winds well, me up. Make it sound as interesting as the last Mary one. catches up with George and says... Look, I'm just going to interject here. Can I just say, we're seeing two courtships on Coronation Street at the moment, running parallel to one another. Eileen and George and Ardie and Summer. Ardie and Summer have got, you know, I mean, Elaine and George have got like 20, Eileen 30 years. George. Sorry? Eileen, not Elaine. They've got 20, 30 years on Summer and Ardie. Yeah. But who's acting more or like more. a pair of idiot teenagers? <laughs> yeah, I know. Ardie and Summer are being way more mature and charming and fun than these two. Even they're with toy robots, up. they're still more mature than Eileen and uh, George are at the moment. So, um, where did I get to? Mary's telling George that Eileen's complicated and she just lurches from one romantic disaster to another and she's only trying to protect herself from being hurt again. And George's like, oh no, this, oh man, oh no, I can't believe yet again for the like the fifth time We've had another misunderstanding, which has led to us falling out. I'm going to go and try and resolve it. So he goes to ask her again out. And she says, I don't know, it might go wrong. I want to be friends. This is like the fifth time they've said, let's just be friends. Then she goes off and um, wallows with Mary in the pub. 
Then we cut to a different storyline, which is Shona um, and the parking problem, which is probably one of the most relatable storylines Crow's ever done, but also one of the most boring. Can't park on the street. No, there's some kind of... I can't remember what they said. Some reason why the residents of Inkerman Street can't park next to their houses, either the, you know, a metre or this roadworks going on or something, I don't remember, but there's a high volume of Coronation Street traffic because the Inkerman Street lot are there now, and Shona doesn't like it. Well, Todd's just parking the hearse all over the place. And she's putting her parking tickets on everything. She's made up fake parking tickets. Wouldn't there be some kind of process when George purchased or opened this undertaking business where they said to him, yeah, you can have an undertaker's, but where are you going to put your hearse? And he was like, Inkerman Street, obviously. (laughs) Anyway, um, so Todd's just parking outside um, the Platt's house and Shona gets mad and tries to buy him from the cafe. And she, he says to her, these tickets that you've made are fraud and I'm, I'm a fake lawyer and this is a fake ticket. And she gets mad. So she puts fa- shaving foam all over his hearse. Then he gets it valeted and gives her a bill for it. And she's, and Sarah says, she's not going to pay this. And you should just stop being a dickhead. Because um, everyone thinks you are. And they might be surprised when you act like you're not. She, it was quite. It was quite a nice, sweet scene, it and um, kind of, Sarah and Todd have got an awful lot of history. And she was basically reminding him to, that he used to be a no, really nice guy. She was reminding everyone else. Yes, and um, maybe if you stopped ass, ah, asking around like an ass, then maybe people wouldn't think I mean, you were one. Todd's got twenty years of history on Coronation Street, and quite early on into his existence as a character, he was with Sarah. Yeah, and they had a baby together. Yeah. Who died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very young. Didn't they? Yeah, it was like, died within days or yeah. maybe... I don't think it was a miscarriage, was it? Anyway. No, no, it was... And he's baby got the Billy. same name as some... Yeah, Billy. <laughs> um, so they... Yeah, they, you might not... It wasn't obvious, they didn't talk about it, but um, that, that history exists for those two characters. Um, so it was kind of nice, you know, her saying that, but it did also feel a bit like... Why is anyone being nice to Todd at this point? He's making a conscious decision at every moment to be a dick. Um, and she was saying, oh, Todd, you're always moaning that you know, you've got any friends, but you, you act like a horrible man and you wonder why no one likes you. And I'm thinking, does Todd ever say he's mad, he doesn't have any friends, or does he kind of wear it as a badge of honour that he's so odious that nobody likes him? No, he he feels bad about it. Well, he's just a whining I've little... I've seen the look in his eye. He, he wants acceptance. Well, you can't just... Be a horrible bloke and then wonder why nobody likes you. Anyway, that's the end of that. Ran around George and Eileen, boring as hell. Do you think they're actually going to get together? Because up until this week, I was thinking, oh, it's all very inevitable. They're going to get together. But now I'm thinking maybe they won't. And if that is the case that they won't, then I'm thinking, why have I invested the last eight, nine months of Coronation Street in this couple? Because I think they could be quite good together. Me too, but I just find it very juvenile. Yeah, just um, uh, and I and I, I get Eileen's attitude, and yes, it would make sense that she's, you know, in self-preservation mode. She's and, so surly and all that, but it it was just very very frustrating, and the old overhearing something and the amount of times that they've both gone, right, we've fallen out with each other, but let's try and date. Oh no, we've fallen out with each other again. Let's just be friends. This I was... still have feelings with you. Let's get together. Oh no, a misunderstanding again. Let's just be friends. 
even if at the end of this, when he went round with his white flag, she'd said, all right, let's let's give this a go. I'd be like, okay, they've, they've made it there eventually. But the fact that the conclusion was, no, I just want to be friends, is just mega, mega frustrating. Not because I'm thinking, no, they're perfect for each other, but just partly because it's like, well, this has put this on hold for a little bit. What's the next thing that's going to happen? I just wanted them to say, do you think we've got anything here? Because we keep going around in circles, and I feel like we do, but it never works out. Why? Mm. But they just, yeah. you know, getting and, and George has been an idiot, and she's been an idiot. And it's a shame because I do like Eileen, but we've we've been I watching. I feel like I like both of them in spite of the way that they are being written and acted, which yeah. is bizarre. And we're, we've been watching two thousand and one Eileen, haven't we, on on the DVDs? Very and different. She is written. She was just a lot more fun and less world weary, but she she hasn't yeah, she hasn't had, been through as much. She she's been through the ringer in this past twenty years on the street, um, you know, marrying I, a feet a serial killer and um, all those everything that Jason and Todd have put her through and uh, and everything. Dennis dying, Dennis Stringer that is. Um, I so just it's feel no like... wonder, but it's a shame because she was she was yes. such a bright, cheerful, still still sarcastic, which she still is, but. She generally had a smirk and a smile on her face back in the olden days, and it's just gone now, isn't it? 2001 Eileen would tell 2021 Eileen, cheer up, love, stop being such a miserable Debbie Downer. Yeah, she would, she would. And um, that that's one reason why I kind of want this to work with George, because I want a little bit more happy Eileen to Eileen come back. Eileen is actually really fun and nice to watch when she's in a happy relationship. Yeah, she 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 is. She's great. Uh, and to be honest, when she's not in a relationship, she they don't give her plots, mm. and her fu- sole function seems to be sitting in the front room when Todd, Sean, or whoever else is lodging there comes and tells her what weird shenanigans they've got up to recently, mm. so she can sort of roll her eyes or hanging out. It's at the um, at the taxi cab listening to Steve and um, Tim Tim complaining about whatever they're getting up to. Yeah. Oh, Eileen. Come on, come on. Right, let's move on. We, we're not, not too I impressed know. with we're... that one. So the, the, the odd couple storyline. This is good. I enjoyed this. Oh, man. Eventually. How much of a percentage of the goodness of Coronation Street at the moment is solely <laughs> down to Adam Hussein? <laughs> quite quite a high amount. And, and um, Jimmy Harkishin. Jimmy Harkishin. Together. Dev and Ardy are carrying the humour for the show at the moment and it's so fun to watch because the writers and the actors have got into a really good groove. Yeah, they can do no wrong. I'm sure this is no surprise to the listeners because we've been banging on about this for months now, but literally every time that they come into a scene it, together, it really feels it like it's coming gold. to head as well. Like it really feels like they're in, this is a golden era yeah. in the same way that, you know, and it's not going to last for very long. This is the thing. The same way Appreciate that it while I we think can. Sam had a very, you know, a bright and shining but brief moment of glory, which is waning now. I think, you know, you can argue that this isn't going to last forever. But while it's while it's good, mm. I'm happy to enjoy it. So it starts off with um, Summer getting a groomsmaid dress from Nina and doing a little yes. twirl on it later on because... Um, just to try it out and she thinks that she's fat and and there's there's been a few times where she's made comments about being a bit of a porker hasn't she so it feels like there's maybe something gonna 
develop with that but and she's being told no you're not you look fine Argy comes up um, and they get into a little awkward situation because he thinks that she's looking a bit hubba hubba in this dress um, and he has brought up peanut butter cookies for her as well which is quite cute somehow managing to cut his fingers to shreds whilst doing it I don't know Never I'd, want to I'd know probably be the same he did but I'm just fa- I'm finding him fascinating <laughs> they have the funny little scene where um they they try to eat these cookies and they're, they're rock hard and he's there trying to break one in half and it was funny stuff, I thought. Um, it all gets a bit awkward again, um, so he goes home. I think it's good because he's endearing and um, mystified by things without him coming across as being an idiot. Yeah. And I don't know how they managed to do that with him, but they can't do it with other people. <laughs> um, so Dev kind of notices that Ardy's been a bit quiet later and digs into it a bit. And um, then we get this great scene where um, Dev is offering his um, romantic advice to his son, which is about as cringeworthy as you could get what with, you know, how Dev is and everything, and the Dev Meister saying, oh, yeah, this is what you've got to do. You've got to be upfront with your feelings, man. Make a big gesture. I know what I mean. I know about the ladies. Because, yeah, Adi has told him that there is somebody he likes. Um, but I don't think at that point he said who it is, which is where the confusion with Amy plays into it later on. So later on, Amy's there uh, catching Ardy looking at flowers outside Preston's petals and she realises that he needs a bit of help. He needs a bit of, um, yeah, a bit of support from the love doctor here. I don't know why Amy thinks that she's, you know, uh, um, the, the the oracle of... Is that the right word? No, that's more about... What are you talking about? Uh, ...of romance. Why, why, why does she know all about dating and boyfriends and girlfriends and everything? Because we've never seen her, or very rarely seen her with a with a boy on her arm, have we? But anyway, she must have watched a lot of rom-coms or something. So um, so she's going to coach him about how to, um, how, to, uh, how to woo Summer. And it basically involves going back to number one and then getting him to learn a script about what to say to her, which Tracy catches the tail end of and then gets the wrong impression and thinks that Ardy and Amy are actually um, sweet on each other and not... Ardy and Summer. And then this all um, bubbles over into Friday um, when Amy's latest tip for Ardy is to get Summer a robot as a gift. And I thought that was a very nice throwback to um, Matilda Freeman, Summer, whose house was littered with little robot models that she'd made. Again, I, I just need to say... Yes, I know what you're going to say. It's not a robot. It's a statue of a robot well, or a... And it's not a robot, is it? It is not artificial intelligence. No, one... no. I know a robot isn't an artificial intelligence. Well, this this robot that Ardy ends up bringing to Summer did move. It, it had perambulatory features. It oh, had locomotion, locomotion. Did that count as a robot for you? No, because the decoration that made it look like a robot added nothing to the function of it moving. (laughs) Can you see what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes. But anyway, she liked robot-looking things and she was... It's like if Bicentennial Man, Robin Williams, had a cog painted on his forehead. He was like, I'm a mechanical man. Look at my cog. (laughs) <laughs> like well it adds nothing it's just it's purely it's purely aesthetic well this this robot was clearly a lady robot because it had two very <laughs> round cogs shall we say on its front of its chest it was painted on but um 
Summer was... Ardy picked that. Summer, Summer loved it. That he went through and he and was I, like, have you got any lady robots? I thought it was sweet. Because it is for a girl. And I thought that um, yeah, this was... Yeah, it was sweet. It was endearing. This did very, it did a lot to help endear me to New Summer as well, actually, just seeing yeah. how cute that she found this little walking robot. Tell you what, Corey's kind of knocking it out of the park with the, the teenage um, story yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was well, after skeptical as to whether they could continue um, with, with um, engaging stories for this group of characters post-Seb. Because I th- honestly thought that they, they had only created... And made us interested and get given them stories and stuff to make that more dramatic. But you know they're it's carrying okay. on, no, it's, it's and um, oh, I love them. So she's she's suitably charmed by this robot, and then he asks her out. Um, then he tries to bottle it again, and she says, "No, no, let let's do it." And I just don't know what to do because she's never had a boyfriend before. He's never had a girlfriend before, and it's just like. Well, what do we do now then? They agreed to put the kettle on, which I thought was um, very, very, very British. British and uh, British and cute. And they end up just spending the day sitting on the sofa watching cat videos together. Wow, how relatable. I just, I just love how this isn't a romance, which is, uh, it's not just all sexy, sexy, let's jump into bed together. It's not alienating it's too cool. No, it's not. And then it's lovely seeing Ardy you know, getting a bit more swagger and confidence about it. But he's still a bit sheepish. He's, he's totally sheepish. I can't remember what he says later, but... He makes a funny gesture with his face and, and you can see that he is mimicking Dev's... Yeah, you know, he really, really is. Um, ...affect. And it's really sweet because, um, I, you know, it does feel... It felt very authentic and genuine, like this boy who... He is a goofball. Is, his kind of modelling his romantic um, courtship rituals off of this hopeless father who, like, hasn't been able to get anyone in bed for about 15 years. Oh, I don't know. but um, Well, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. He, and he also does make fun of Dev all the time. But... but he obviously... It's like he doesn't... He's got no other, like, frame of reference for what the hell do you do with a woman. No, no. Um, <laughs> and then it gets all the bit creepy with um but yet still hilarious with um with the with the condoms doesn't it because Ardy goes back to the shop later to see dad and uh Deb's very pleased to hear it's all going well and um I can't remember how he how he brings it up but he just brings up this box well of... he says um Mary comes in because she needs to get some something for her windscreen wipers and he says speaking of rubbers and then oh, he throws yeah, them that's down right, that's which right. is weird because I don't really... Mary is that's as parked under a particularly sappy tree mm-hmm. yeah and and uh, Ardy is a bit mortified by this and Dev um, then starts I, putting honestly, together this date hamper I honestly think I have no experience we all know this of this but when you're a parent I reckon something in your mind gets you through being smeared with feces and vomit at, in your mind you're like when you get to 18 I'm going to embarrass you so hard and get my revenge for all of this that you've put me through as a baby but uh, he wasn't doing it on purpose to embarrass him but he Especially... wasn't no but he was enjoying making him squirm wasn't he you must like he Dave's gave... not stupid he knows that giving a teenage boy condoms in front of his bloody 
ex-nanny <laughs> is going to embarrass the heck out of him. Yeah. And he's like, I don't even care because if you're going to be dating a girl, you need to be able to maturely handle your responsibilities and here they are I just in a box of various it sizes. Shows what a good relationship Dev and Ardy have got that he knows that he can get away with it and Ardy's not going to you know, go stropping up to his room or... I know. Or throw him in They're, his face. They, they've got it? such a great relationship. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. So Deb starts putting together this date hamper, which um, includes, what was it, like some breath spray, some... Deodorant. Yeah, that's right. And, and then he says to Mary, and he's like, and some, and some protection for... Ooh! <laughs> <this> brilliant little <laughs> embarrassment. So it's a shy face. It was so, so, so good. Um, Tracy is pretty shocked to hear that Deb is encouraging such promiscuous behaviour with his son, as was I a little bit considering um, how he reacted to um, Asher. And I think we um, mentioned this on the podcast before, it and it's different for boys and girls. And Tanisha Gorey is incredibly noticeable by her absence in this story and I hope it's not too long before she comes and or before Asher comes along and is like hang on a minute Dev why are you enabling your son when you were pretty much locking me up in a chastity belt um yeah I, I do hope that Asher's back soon anyway um Tracy says look that this because Dev's like, oh, you know, he's he's a boy, he's got to sow his wild oats and everything, he's got to have a bit of practice. And then Tracy's like, you do know that the girl that you want him to practice on is my Amy. Um, and Dev's like, well, I had no idea. I thought, was, I can't remember who he thought it was, whether he thought it was Summer or not. But um, they kind of agree that Amy is far too young for this, despite the fact that, you know, she's, she's already, already had, had an abortion. Um, and definitely, definitely Steve can't find out about this. Otherwise, he'll get really, really mad. I think and Steve needs to get over it because it's only going to happen with more frequency the older that Amy gets. Yes. Um, was, was Steve not, like, married to Vicky by this point? Or at least Vicky was married to him by the time he was the same age as Amy. They got married pretty young. I think you get married to each other. You know what I mean. Um <laughs> So anyway, I thought that they might at least leave it like a good episode or two before Steve found out what um what Tracy thought was going on. But no, it was barely a scene later. Steve, um, how did it happen? It was basically oh yeah, he he sees a message on Tracy's phone like saying, "Read the sex." You're right about not telling Steve. He'd go off the deep end. So he thinks <laughs> that Dev's jumped back into the sack with Dev again. And yes, that's not the Tracy first time has. Tracy has, um, because yeah, she's already had a a night of wonder with him and. This is like 20-odd years back. ago. No. Um, anyway, Steve's fuming. He thinks Tracy's been having it off with Dev. And, and Tracy says, no, 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 it's Ardy and Amy. That's who we're talking about. Still massively livid about this. Goes and has it out with Amy in front of the um, uh, in front she, of the salon. Yeah. Um, no, no, he doesn't. He has it off with Dev, doesn't he? Not has it off with Dev, has it out with Dev. <laughs> Dev and then they Dev have this comes around the corner brilliant standoff with this Costa cappuccino um, in his hand, and he's like, "Hey!" and he like does the like peace sign. <laughs> oh yeah, he does, doesn't he? And it? then and Steve <laughs> is literally running at him like the Terminator. He did. He looked like the. He looked like the evil Terminator. And then obviously COVID like force field prevents him from going too far, <laughs> and then he starts shouting at him. It was ridiculous, but it very was very funny. It, it, it was. Um, the, all the character, you know, all the actors are really great at comedy, and the the the, the, the yeah, it was it even was even good. Steve, it who was, I think is not not always the best as well compared to how much it used to be. I thought was um it was because it was a, it was a farcical situation. Really, it was wasn't it? it was kind of almost Shakespearean in a yeah. And then who should walk round the corner but Summer and Amy and Ardy? Now Summer right found the this, of this the least funny of everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, because she, it was her chastity that they were exactly. arguing. And, I, and I don't know whether it in felt her a bit head, like a Midsummer Night's Dream. I don't even know in 
her head when the sex had even come into it. And it, it hadn't seemed to with bottom. Ardy as well. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, I think Ardy has in the past been um, kind of almost shamed by Asher because she she was making fun of him when she was having it off with Corey. She was saying, oh, yeah, you've, yeah you're, you're still felt, a virgin, yeah. aren't you? And he's like, no, I'm not. I've had loads of girlfriends. But actually, <laughs> yeah, he is not very experienced in the ways of women. But so I, I don't know whether he was thinking this is, you know, My one step to towards me getting Summer into bed. Uh, but Summer, definitely, I don't think it had gone on her radar at all yet. So she she disappears off embarrassed. Um, and then RD goes to Victoria Gardens to try and find her. He and Amy think it's kind of funny. Summer doesn't see the funny side no. in it. Um, and, and, and we end the episode with Amy offering more advice about how he can make up with her. But um, we, will, we will wait until next week to see how that plays out. But honestly, being a teenager and dating is about getting embarrassed by your parents and feeling awkward and unsure of yourself. And they captured it so well. Thank goodness nobody wanted to be my girlfriend when I was a teenager. When did we get together? We were eighteen or nineteen and at university. That's we even, didn't that's have teenaging. We didn't have well. I suppose your your mum and dad were around, weren't they? But my <laughs> um, my mum and dad weren't about then, so I did. Uh, it's, it's not the same. It's not that they're, they're okay. I, I and some are a bit oh, younger. God. But anyway, very very funny stuff. Um, it's looking like maybe Ardy and Amy will develop feelings for each other. Did you get any of that? No. I I wonder. It feels I like they've not. got. I don't know, because I, I really like Amy. and I'm kind of happy for nobody to be serious with anybody. I mean, wh- whatever whoever gets together with who in this storyline isn't going to be a God, soap couple for the ages, is if it? if it turns what? out like bloody Chesney and... Um, Katie? Katie. No. Yeah. <sighs> uh, or, 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 or um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. But I thought this I, was I, great. I, I, th- I think that... I was very, very happy to see Amy back because I'm a big Amy fan. She's been very, very underused recently. Um, so it was just nice to have her on screen looking very grown up again, I have to <laughs> say. How old is she, 18 now? I can't remember. Um, maybe not yet. But then the actress at least is. Carry on. Um, and I, I, th- I thought, honestly, I thought that she and Ardy did have a good chemistry in those scenes. So if the story ends up going that way, I won't really care. The thing is, I'm quite enjoying him going out with Summer because I think, well, maybe it will make me like Summer more if if Ardy's together with her. And and just that bit where she gets, she kind of gets a bit melty over the robot made, made my heart melt a little bit for her. So, yeah, okay. so it's all good. It's all good. Uh, did was, was Anything else to add for you? Nope. I love that I think story. I said, uh, he said I didn't. Oh, no, I just said, I don't know, you're right, there's, maybe there's not much to say about it. We don't have to, to go on it. and on and on. We, just, we liked it, it I thought it was great. It was just It was Coronation funny. Street at its best. On It was just low stakes, silly, a bit farcical. All of the, you know, the, the history of all the characters was propelling the, the this drama on the screen, you know, without having to, you know, this is the strength of Coronation Street, is that, you know, we've seen Steve like you say, grow up on the street. These characters have been around for years. Mm. Arnie's been on the show almost his whole life. His whole life. And now you're watching him start to date. This is his proper first story, isn't it? Adam Hussein's Ardy. I mean, Zenon's Ardy had a golf story when he was, you know, six or something. But um, 
and it, and it is low low key and he didn't have he wasn't dominating the screen all week or whatever but yeah it's it's quite nice that this is his first proper story oh i'm so happy for him and dev is just carrying on knocking it out of the park i absolutely adore yeah. jim harkerton at the moment think he can do no wrong i know loving it so much he and i can't believe honestly i've always rated dev as a comedy character as Pro, pro, like one of my favourite comedy characters. I know that Who I have been sick of him in the past. That he could have been improved upon in any way <laughs> by adding RD to the mix. I really didn't think there was any room for improvement. No, I think in the past, if I was to listen to some old podcast, I think we were probably well, I like having to a go at history. Dev. But th- right. this is this is him at his peak. He's brilliant. Yeah, peak Dev. Have we have we even begun to see peak Dev? <laughs> Uh, who can say? Stretched Armstrong, Gemma. Monday, Izzy is talking to Sarah and she is saying, oh, you've got these, um, I'm making these knickers, but nobody's come to get them. But so I this, thought they were... So this was still a bit confusing. And although there were parts of the story this that I was... think really, really hit well, the Carla's scheme about let's have everybody do Izzy's work for her, but still get Izzy to do so the work. It was so patronising. And it, unfortunately, it didn't really like come out in the wash that what Sarah and Carla did was wrong and why it was wrong. Mm. It didn't make any sense. These t- two grown women, Carla's biggest criticism of Izzy was that she was wasting money because she's paying Izzy to do something badly and they can't afford they can't afford that. And then the solution to the problem is, well let's just throw materials at her and get her to make fake produce. Why on earth would you ever... It doesn't... Literally illogical. Oh, yeah, no wonder Izzy gets mad at her when she, she finds out what happens. She was completely justified. And, and to be honest, they didn't need... I didn't feel like they needed this to be the trigger for what we find out on Wednesday. But unfortunately, this was the way that it was written on Monday. But it, I, I, I thought it really redeemed itself on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Right, so um, so that's the, the, scene, the set the scene is that Izzy's making pants for nothing. I don't know why they can't sell these pants. <laughs> they probably will. Um, anyway, Fergus there has her neighbour who's um, in her bubble. Um, and is he still working from home trying to make this stuff that's fake orders? And she's saying, oh, um, yeah, I've got this order that I've got part of this order. And you said it had to be done and nobody's come to get it. So Sarah, Sarah's like, yeah, OK, we'll, we'll come and get it. And then Izzy phones them up and says, oh, so you got it then, did you? Yeah, there's much Are you happy on. with it? And they're like, oh, yeah, it was really great. And she says, the box is there, isn't it, still? Open it. And they open it and it's full of newspaper. And Izzy's like, well, there you go. Yeah, so Izzy had put newspaper in there to prove well, that was, they, they didn't value or care about what she was making. Care. She'd picked up. So they're like, oh, really? I'm sorry. And Izzy just hangs up on them. Sarah tells Sally and Kirk later, and she says it was Carla's fault. Then they have an argument about whose fault it was. And Sally says, you need to sort your issues out with each other rather than using Izzy to score points off each other. And she's completely right. Mm-hmm. This makes neither character look any good at all. No, it really doesn't. It's ruining Carla. And Carla has, Carla's one redeeming feature on Coronation Street that she still has left that the writers haven't stripped off of her is that she's a good businesswoman. And now that's being siphoned off as well. Mm. Anyway, on Wednesday, the factory lot are wondering what they can do about Izzy. And they're talking about lockdown and Sarah says she and Carla need to pull together to sort the mess out. So they get onto Zoom or whatever the Cor- Coronation Street, the word for the equivalent is, <laughs> probably spelt with an X. 
but pronounced the same way. Um, they they apologised to her and say they were trying to do her a favour and make her feel useful. And she says, well, no, you've just made me feel patronised. And they say, you need to ask us for help if you need it. And she breaks down and she says, um, I was worried during the pandemic. It was really hard. I was isolated. I had to look after um, Jake. Jake while Gary was in prison. I had to um, work when he was in bed. I was putting my body through um, horrific amounts of pain because I had no choice. I'm constantly worried that I'm going to get COVID. I'm isolated. I'm... And now, you it was know, also one... about how the, all the media were saying people in who are who are vulnerable, which is what she's classified yeah. as. They're, they're all dying, and it's really dangerous for them. They should. Uh, yes. So she she kind of developed this fear of leaving the house because she's believing everything that all, all the scaremongering. Well, but is it scaremongering? Yeah. Is it real? Well, well, you know, Sherry Houston went on. Um, she was on this morning on Tuesday. Yes, on a TV show which is called This Morning, um, and she was talking, and I can't remember what statistic she said, but a massive percentage of people who died for, in during the pandemic mm. were disabled, and it makes me sick because I really feel that people who are, who are vulnerable have been um, done wrong by, honestly. We, you know, we think we're so sophisticated and advanced, and we can't look after people that need our help. And it just feels so wrong and painful to see her, to see Izzy crying and to know that this is real experiences that people are going through. Yeah, and I think that's why with this, it really did get to me more than the Alina miscarriage did. And it was partly because I was thinking, this is Shirley speaking from the heart here. And, and I mean, she, the, the, what she was saying on, on this morning the other day was, you know, for the past 16 months, I've not even left the house apart from to go to the hospital. She's been, she's kind of been trapped there with, with her partner, Toby, who's the, the guy that plays Fergus. And um, yeah, everything that she was saying, all the fears that Izzy's had, Shirley must have been feeling as well. So of course. Um, I, I, I thought that she did a, a, a really good performance and it really also feels it, very real. It makes me realize that when I was watching the news or reading about pandemic stuff, how othering it must be to be a vulnerable person because everything's written as though you're talking about vulnerable people, but you're not talking to them. Mm. So everything's like, yeah, vulnerable people should carry on shielding. If you know someone who's vulnerable, blah 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 blah. It didn't really ever feel like you, like they were talking to that group of pe- people, mm. but the message was loud and clear that you shouldn't leave the house. Yeah. And that you know it's um, and what honestly has changed? We all that's changed is people have got jabs, and now we're not taking any other precautions. And I completely, un- I wouldn't want to leave the house. I I find it honestly shocking that no provisions seem to have been made and I said this before and about wearing masks in shops I'm still going to do it because you know otherwise the world becomes even more inaccessible than it already is for yeah. people who are vulnerable one of the other things that Shirley was talking about was the fact that shielding officially stopped in March so some of the support that people in it's her terrible. position were getting they, and they haven't and been getting for the past three four months replaced with what? nothing mm. 
replaced with the idea that eventually we're, we're all going to get jabs and we'll... well this is what Carla's been saying what is it you've been double jabbed you're fine to come back to work or she, she had been saying this wouldn't you I know yeah so it's um because we keep hearing stories about people who had jabs and get sick mm. and they say oh you know a very small percentage of people who have jabs will get covid and die from it and it's like well i wonder which demographic that could be mm. yeah i know a lot it just makes it makes me really angry actually um i'm very glad that they've done this story i think this was one of the best stories that they could have that done and i'm so pleased that they did it and worked with um Sherry Lee to tell an authentic story in an authentic way and in in turning uh, you know and working with her real life circumstances to share something that's really important because we know that Shirley is um a big advocate for people um disabled people and she works really really hard to get the message out to be a visible and in the public eye Mm. and and sharing experiences for from people and saying and I said this and she's before. she's not been able to get out. That's and didn't I say thing, this before about when Summer got diabetes and how able-bodied people love stories about disabled people overcoming adversity and, and how technology can help them and what advances have been made. Like, we love that kind of stuff, but we don't like the stories about how it is actually difficult. We don't want to hear about you know oh isn't it lovely for you guys that everybody's able to eat outside because restaurants are having outdoor um catering now but that means that you can't get a wheelchair down the pavement because the the tables and chairs have been set out in the way Mm. you know what i'm saying yeah yeah this this whole pandemic has really just made it even more stark how people are being left behind and disregarded and ignored. And how can you sit there and, and say to somebody who's heard for 16 months, it, this this is um, incredibly dangerous for you, you must rely on other people. Mm. And then to say, no, it's all fine now. But the, the rates haven't gone down. No. And the other thing, <clears throat> I'm losing my voice, I need to have a drink in a minute. <clears throat> the other thing that's really, um, I found really annoying, which didn't really get pulled up, but I think perhaps it was apparent, without needing to draw too much attention. But the way that Carla was saying, look, you need to ask us if you need help. And and Izzy was saying, um, I, I, I can't remember, I think it was Izzy, and I can't, because I'm kind of mixing Shirley and Izzy up at the moment. But she was saying, I swallowed my pride and I asked for help when I need it. But I was thinking, well, that is a burden in itself. Mm. Imagine having to, to always ask for something. I hate that. Yeah. And but but we put that burden onto disabled people, and we don't put any effort into trying to recognise what they need before they tell us. Like Carla's, like, well, you need to tell me. I I can't anticipate what you're going to need. And I'm thinking, I think you probably could anticipate that is he doesn't want to sit at home and make fake. It's a bit knickers. out of sight, out of mind, isn't it? And doing the doing the minimum and and checking in and saying how you doing. But you know, again, at the end of the day. This is an this is a horrific time for pe- in people's lives, and w- you have to acknowledge that there's not a lot you can do mm. sometimes. But you can sit there and go, yeah, I know this sucks. Yeah, yeah. I I I understand and I really feel. And sometimes that people just need to be heard too. Yeah. But really, Carla wound me up 
with that. Oh, you should have asked that, for That's help. what I think. And, and you're right that this has been a good... I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say it's been a good story. It's been a great that they've been able to do this. The story around it with the, with the fake knickers and, and the way that Carla and Sarah have come across hasn't been brilliant. But no. the, the fact that they are, they've taken the opportunity to raise awareness through um, giving us a peek into what Izzy's life has been like has been was, a, was such a such a good call. Um, story wise, I'm still very intrigued by Fergus, and I don't know whether he's you know whether he's a bit whether he is just a helpful relative or not relative so a helpful neighbour or is there something romantic going on there or is he enabling her agoraphobia if that's what you want to call it but he he was there he was putting his his hand on her shoulder a little bit when she was getting upset um but he's always there isn't he and and if you want to get soapier with it now now we've got the the outburst of Izzy's feelings out in the open I'd be I where I want the story to go now is more focusing on the relationship between Fergus and Izzy because that's still a bit of a mystery and I don't know how much they can film um at, at Shirley and Toby's house are they just are they limited to just doing a few scenes here and there are they is it are they not have the scope to turn it into a a story a meaty story I don't know it'd be a shame but um uh, Fergus can't be in there for nothing I so far he had a little bit of mystery when Sarah was like hey who's that mystery man is that why you've not been doing your work on time but I I feel there's got to be more there but I, I can't quite put my finger on what it is yet well it is interesting because he's become her de facto carer yeah but he has no training or there's no guidelines he's not beholden to anybody and I only very briefly worked with a charity for supporting adults with um, learning disabilities um, what, you know, years and years and years ago, so I imagine things have changed. But, you know, when you're working with people that are very vulnerable, there are certain guidelines that you need to follow and you and it's all, you know, people check in on you and it's not a perfect system by any stretch of the imagination, but there's certainly oversight that doesn't exist for Fergus. Mm. Because Izzy is basically relying on him completely for everything. And that's lovely if he's a nice guy who is doing things selflessly or because he enjoys her company or, you know, because he's a nice person. But what if he isn't? Yeah, we. I don't feel we know him yet. He's bringing her cups of tea. But there's got to be more. And I hope I hope we get to find out soon. Yeah. I hope there's something. Because but, obviously it's 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 Toby that plays him and they needed to have somebody else there. I mean, he, he was living with her anyway, so is it a case of, well, let's, maybe we'll create a character for you? I, I don't know. I don't know. But, but anyway, a... yeah, I, I just really, I thought, I thought um, Izzy has not often been used well in Coronation Street, um, but this was, like, f- such a fantastic scene, mm. so heartfelt, She's talking about her the physical toll it's taken on her body, and I think um, other people's pain is such an easy thing to dismiss. Mm. But, and it's really hard to imagine what it's like to live in constant pain. Yeah, it's impossible almost to imagine, and just just being sort of called out there by the character saying. This isn't just me bored at home. 
this has been mental and physical torture for 16 months. I'm wondering if this, if and when this is all over and, and maybe as he you know, reintroduces back into the show properly and everything, will it make us, will it make other viewers um, more sympathetic towards her? Because you're right, she, she hasn't always been used the best in the past. And um, maybe this is, you know, a, a way into us understanding the character a little bit more and giving him more of a chance in the future. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just found, I just thought that that was absolutely fantastic, honestly, uh, um, well done, and it's such an important thing to talk about, and I think it was done perfectly. Oh, I thought it was very, very, very good. Um, right, let's whiz through the final story. Is it one, two stories left? I don't know. We got the character profiled, which was so big um, last week, and it was just, they put a pause on it at the end of Monday's episode, but basically um, we're, we're carrying on with, are we going to appeal? Is Brody going to get in trouble for what he did after he stopped um, Michael and James? Um, what's well, Craig's role in this? Yeah. Whose side is he going to take? And bring, at the beginning of the episode on Monday, he can barely bring himself to look at James and Michael because he knows that he's put them in a bit of an awkward situation um well he feels guilty yeah James... and he feels uncomfortable because he probably feels as though he shouldn't like i haven't done anything wrong why do i feel so bad mm. uh, i know i'll just ignore the source of the problem which to him is michael and james yeah yeah so james gets a visit from this woman from professional standards um later who's kind of reviewed the camera footage about the arrest and everything and she said look it all looks pretty legit actually i don't think that there's there's a case here to follow up and the bailey boys say look it's not about that we should never have been stopped in the first place it's not about you know the method that we were arrested or whether he were right to be arrested or what he racially profiled us um that's what our problem is and uh, and then they say, well, what, what did Craig say? They, he must have seen it. And she said, well, we took a statement from him, but that didn't have any bearing on the inquiry, which is over. now over. So, yeah, whatever it was that Craig said, it, he was he was obviously not willing to... Well, no, she just said it was irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. We don't know what he said. Um, so James is getting some exercise out, out later and Danny's there, he's back from his chefing course. <laughs> Um, Turns he, out you hold the blunt end of the knife. T- <laughs> um, he gives him a bit of a pep talk about staying positive and every, everything, but it doesn't really get him anywhere. Uh, James isn't in the mood. Craig walks past and James says about this visit from the woman and Craig is looking in- incredibly uncomfortable here and he admits that he didn't see what happened between James and Brody, so he couldn't say that he did. He also didn't say about... Um, the, you know how they were driving badly and everything so well, he, he said he wasn't no, listen he didn't say i saw them driving and when i saw them driving they were fine mm. which is what james wanted him to say yeah he just said i didn't i didn't i know. didn't actually see he yeah. just basically said i didn't see what brody said he saw mm. Mm. which is not exactly the same thing as saying when i saw them they were driving fine yeah james says look i wasn't being aggressive was i and craig says no i didn't see you being aggressive and james says that's all that you needed to say you weren't helpful at all here craig because he's trying to you know he's trying to get a middle ground here and he's a bit piggy in the middle and he doesn't want to yeah he's torn between the two sides here his colleague and his his neighbor and james doesn't think that he's um really done a good job so uh, at work later craig's talking to Brody and saying look this this whole situation doesn't sound right to me and then 
what you're yeah, saying happened. He's saying what you're saying happened doesn't feel to me like what actually happened. No, the Baileys didn't look aggressive when I got there, and Brody is like, "Well, I, I felt threatened," and we were talking about this last week, weren't we? And, and I could, I, it's I could certainly, certainly if I were, yeah. to feel threatened by somebody who is not being aggressive. Yeah, that's and, and, possible. But if you're a police officer, and you and you and you're you know your first response is to be threatened by by people perhaps you should recognize what's a threat and what isn't uh. yeah you need you need to be have a bit more training or be more assertive or maybe just work in a desk <laughs> maybe you can be the guy that always gets people to sit down and wait yeah and and this is where brody says the line that is maybe supposed to be painting him more on what do you mean maybe? in a racist light sometimes they get like that don't they a bit oversensitive like everyone's out to get them right so and we know exactly who the they is in this sentence yes exactly he's yeah he's talking about he's, people he's people saying black people he? yeah exactly um and he's like thanks mate for sticking up to me so he, now if this didn't make craig think oh i'm on the bad side here i don't know what will yeah and he he, he still didn't it was it was subtle what he said, but it it, it wasn't was enough. really subtle. It it could have been less subtle, couldn't it? It it could have been. It could have been like, well, you know out, how these racist. things go. Yeah. Oh but, yeah, um, it could have been a Craig lot. Craig realizes that maybe there is some kind of yeah. Um, maybe issue going on here <laughs> that's clouding Brody's judgment. Um. Anyway, James um is all for giving up um when he's at home later. Uh, Michael says no they can't get away with this and then James is I think it was his manager was a publicist or somebody comes around and says right anyway um, how's the how's it all going with the police and James says oh the the, the inquiry's over uh, and the manager rather than being supportive of James is like oh well never mind what's done is done let's just get back to uh, you're doing your exercises and you're back on the team eh so it looks like he's relieved that um the club's not going to be embroiled in this mm. scandal that, or this potential scandal that could have happened, and it's all blown over in his mind. And th- this is what triggers James into thinking, "No, hang on a minute. My my manager's relieved here. I can't accept this. I'm going to appeal." Yeah. And then, and then it kind of, then that is it for the story for the week. So I don't know whether this is over a bit too quickly or whatever. It felt bigger this week, but I suppose it's standard for the Baileys that they. They get their their bit for a week and then we don't see them again for a little bit longer. Um, maybe Craig is going to. Craig has now help heard out on the appeal. He's going to change if, his mind. If Craig has now heard something, um, that he can say, links Brody's behaviour to prejudice mm. and racism. Well, there before then, there was no evidence. Either way. In my opinion, because you can't tell why Brady why Brody pulled him over, and I'm I'm really I'm getting a bit annoyed with James and Michael insisting that they weren't driving erratically, and I started to think I was going crazy here, and I even they googled really were. I googled a word erratically, and then I googled driving erratically, <laughs> and it is to do with speed or stopping and starting, and literally that's what they did, and. I'm not saying that that's the reason to pull them over, but I, I, James is rewriting history if he's saying that he was, like, immaculately driving the car in a, a completely above board and in no way weird manner. Yeah. Um. And even Shouldn't when... Raise any suspicions. Even when he... I think it was Brody 
when Brody pulled him over, he even said, yeah, sorry, it's because it's an automatic. And I, I can't remember if it was him or if he said it to Craig. Yes. But he even said, yeah, I can't really drive this thing. And then he's now he's saying, oh, no, I was driving perfectly. That's not the case at all. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I this is the whole thing. It's kind of it kind of annoying me because it, it, it feels like a complication that doesn't serve the purpose of the story, which is to explore, you know, racial profiling. Because now we've got this thing where Brody is was justified to pull the car over. Mm. But I don't. I, it feels to me like it's not going to. It's going to be solved pretty quickly. Because I think said, they're going to have some time off. They're going to have yeah, an appeal. Craig's going to say, "Oh yeah, maybe you did say this. It's going to be over, and that's that." And it feels like this story should be given a bit more than that. Somebody said on our Facebook group. I think it was Robin. He said when he said to to um. When he said to Craig at the time, if I had known he was a footballer, I wouldn't have pulled him over. He said, um, I think on Facebook, that to me was clearly admission of racism because he's saying, oh, I I didn't, you know, if I'd known he was one of the good ones, you know, Mm. a footballer, I wouldn't have pulled him over. But when I heard that, I thought he meant, oh, we never pull over footballers because they're like gods around here. And I think that that that's an interesting discussion to have regarding that aspect of what he said, because Mm. that was definitely like, oh, okay, I totally didn't even see it that way. But somebody on Facebook brought it up and it's like, yeah, okay, I can totally see that, too. That could have been what he meant. But there really is no uh, nuance or, oh, I wonder what he meant by him saying they get so oversensitive, (laughs) don't they? So the really, you know, now now we know this information, we can go back and say, okay, what he said there, you can't give him the benefit of the doubt, no. and you can't give him the benefit of the doubt, and you and you really, now now the idea that it's possible he may not have pulled over two white guys that were driving erratically, you can't say that. I I honestly think that he he yeah, it's uh it's clear now to me, but before then it wasn't. Yeah. Because gen genuinely, I do think that they were hopping about in the car. Yeah, they were, they were. But I think also Brody could very well have gone, they obviously didn't know how to pull the car, uh, drive the car, and he certainly also could have come over and gone, all oh, right, lads, how are you doing? What's going on with your car? And then James saying, oh, it's not my car, and he's like, oh, you're test driving it. Mm. Oh, I can see why well, that's a bit of a... Yeah, yeah. That didn't happen, did it? No. Because he approached them in a different way than he might have done. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to lose my voice. Well, do you want me to just talk about the last yeah. one? Okay, so there's there's not much. It's Rita Franklin's story, basically. The uh, witness liaison officer turns up at the cafe. Nina immediately bursts into tears, and then well, she says, "How are you doing?" Yeah, so she's she's still um, she's crying. still struggling with the old Seb's dead thing, um, but Aww. she cheers up later when she gets the idea about putting together a memorial vegetable plot for Seb, which is obviously what he would have wanted. Um, and she floats the idea I past... I don't even think he's eating a vegetable. I know. Well, he certainly probably... I'm sure he wasn't served any by Abby when they were living there together. Is a baked but... bean a vegetable? <laughs> anyway, she floats the idea past Abby and um, Abby says, yeah, go for it. But you can tell that she's clearly not that fussed by it. She she doesn't like being reminded about the situation. You know, her her son's dead. Um, she uh, she says, I don't... Well, she says, I don't give her monkeys about community carrots, basically. Say... That by by doing this, Nina's acting as though there's a way of overcoming Seb's death and making something good out of it. And 
Abby is not at that stage that no. she believes that is even possible. No. So um, anyway, they they Ed says that they can put them on the land outside his yard, which I thought that they already had planters there for Tina. I thought they put a few um, you know, pots out there, but that was a while ago. They, those so it's, needs a bit sprucing up again. Do exist still, but there is no land next to the builder's yard. There is concrete. There's a, like a tin roof of some description, which mm. I think is over the storage area. Then there's a piece of empty concrete and cobbles. And then there is the entrance to the gym. Okay, so maybe they're going to put something there. Though. There must be something. They must have put something in that is now going to be retconned that there was always a bit of scrap land there. Mm. But I, I showed you the video earlier. Yeah, you did, you did. There's nothing, there's no ground there unless they're talking about two troughs of dead weeds <laughs> which commemorate poor Tina's life and death. <laughs> I guess we will find out soon. So... So, no, so um, Ed's saying... <laughs> Ed's like, oh, you want a memorial garden? Oh, that's cool. You can have the one that's in my yard. I don't... There's like crosses and like <laughs> like a little RAP sign, and I don't. I've got no idea why it's there, so I've just but ripped all that up, and you can use it for someone that actually existed. Because this Tina, I've never heard of her. <laughs> right. Um, what are we giving this week's Coronation Street then? Uh, do you want to score it first? I think I've scored the last few ones. I don't want to influence your vote. There were some very good. I thought it's great actually. This week there was only a few. They did have the George and Eileen story, Gemma. That was stupid. But on the whole, I really thought that it was fantastic what they did with Izzy. I um, I'm really enjoyed um, Ardy and Dev. The Alina stuff was really compelling and very well... The conflict is well constructed. Um, so I want to give it a four. Nice, okay, for what? I'm going to give it four sexy gormless doormats. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I, I, didn't, I wasn't as, as into it as you were. I think the fact that you were um, affected by Alina's reaction more than I was and I was seeing it a bit more of a cynical plot device at the time meant that it, it didn't feel like it was a brilliant first part of the week, but they more than made up for it in Friday's episode. You're absolutely right that the the conflicts that all these characters have now found themselves into has got great possibilities for this story in the future, for Fizz, for Tyrone, for Evelyn, for Hope. Um, that's really, really exciting stuff. Ardy, again, can, can do no wrong in my eyes. Um, and I do like George and Eileen, so I like how they've got screen time. It's just getting more and more frustrating that Every week that they're featuring, they don't seem to have made any progress. No. And um, I'd, 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 and they're like, acting to, I'd, like idiots. I'd like them to have a chance as a couple, so just let's just get on with it. Um, character of the week. Character. Uh, do I get to score it? No. I'm giving it. I'm giving it um, three and a half fragrant and safe dating delights out of five. <laughs> So not bad, not a bad week at Lovely. all. Well done, Friday. Um, character of the week then. Uh, oh yeah, what should we say? There's there's quite a few. I want to give it to Elena. I thought she was fantastic. Wow. Okay. With um with a bonus shout out to Izzy, um but I honestly thought that Roxandra did such a, she was so ah, oh, 
she performed this so well she looked haunted and hollow and and devastated and then she started to get vengeful and dark <laughs> and brooding and I just thought I totally bought everything she was selling you know she did such a, a great job I was fixated on Alina and I don't even like her I can't, I, I can't really decide who I want to have as my character the week, this week. I, 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 it's not Alina for me, obviously. Um, but Tyrone and Fizz were both fun to watch, but both of them, you know, made decisions and acted in ways that maybe uh, maybe they shouldn't have done. Or um, uh, Ardy and Dev were both great, but I, I don't want to always just give it to them for making me laugh. It feels like it, it should sometimes be somebody that's a bit more a bit more serious. Izzy was great, but not in it. Maybe enough to be character of the week. Um, I'm I'm thinking maybe. Oh, maybe maybe Evelyn. As much as I enjoyed the other characters in there, and although Evelyn didn't have a major role to play, just that scene where she broke the news to the girls, I thought was excellently done. The I I like how she's not really taking sides, although she's telling Tyrone he's a massive pillock. She's still very sympathetic towards this situation. When the miscarriage happened, she was devastated and and supportive of him. Um, she those scenes where she and Fizz were kind of dancing around the idea that maybe Hope was responsible for this in some way were very well done. And that, that final shot of her with the head up against the door, um, just contemplating the mess that the family's got themselves into um, was fantastic. So yeah, Evelyn for me, I think. But um, yeah, lots of others that it could have been as well. And I think that's it. It was, I, I thought it was a great week. Yeah, good, good week, good week. Fingers crossed for next week then. Um, let's move on. Oh, we're not, there's not a cabin, by the way. There is some other news, um, some spoilery news that will come to after the feedback. So we have got a cabin extra. It's been the first time in a little while that that's come up. But um, yeah, let's move on to feedback before we do that then. Right, feedback time, and last week's episodes got 3.38 out of 5 on the Facebook group. Thank you, everybody who has voted, including Judith, who gave it four cherry cola and ice cream floats out of five, which was Michael's um, drink of choice, wasn't it, last week? Was it him that was getting oh, yes. Those? Yeah, he does like those. Um, Shona gave it three salty potatoes out of five, and um, Jonathan was my pick of the week, who, and I quote, gave it four ahem, trips down memory lane out of five. I don't know what that stands for. So, um, the first piece of um, feedback that I want to read out this week comes from Bad Boy BHS. I think that's how he wants it to be said. BHS always reminds me of British, British Home, Home Stores. Stores. I don't know whether um, that's the kind of vibe that we're going for. But anyway, Bad Boy BHS says, Hey Maybe guys. Bad, bad Boy BHS, like... Takes all the clothes off the hangers and just leaves them on the floor. Doesn't put anything back. Like, yeah. moves, like, takes all the sizes mixes them around so they're not in order <laughs> so you're like oh no they don't have any my size but they actually do bad boy bhs says hey guys love the podcast thanks for the oh. endless hours of entertainment Literally it endless. is endless isn't it you're right um sorry if this is out of the blue but i have a storyline prediction i'd like to share with you oh yes <gasps> on, that's right so this came last saturday um it came a little bit before we um recorded last weekend's podcast 
because uh, we were recording late last week, but I didn't want to read it out because it did a pretty good job of predicting um, what was going to happen this week. Um, they say, Hope, enraged by the actions and lack of attention from her father, commits arson on Alina's flat, all while Alina sleeps soundly inside. Noticing the fire, Curtis rushes to the rescue. He manages to get Alina out of the flat, but they both sustain major injuries. Curtis dies on his way to A&E. Alina survives, however, her major her injury causes her to miscarry the baby. Oh. So you are pretty pretty on the nose with some of this. Curtis is still alive and kicking. We haven't even seen him this week, have we? But um, yeah, hope setting fire to the flat and that causing the miscarriage. Absolutely right. Well, well done. done. Well done. Well done. Uh, right, this is from Joe. And um, we talked last week when we were reading the um, the fortieth anniversary script about the fact that what was on the page was mm. quite different in many cases to what the actors actually said. So, um, do you want to read this one? Joe says, RE, the differences between script and screen dialogue noted in the podcast. It's very common for actors to change lines a little to more than a little from what's written on the page. I did closed captioning for TV and DVDs for 10 years, including a number of years captioning soaps, Days of Our Lives and Sunset Beach. We never got scripts for Sunset Beach, but we regularly got them for Days of Our Lives and they never matched exactly what ended up on the screen. As Michael and Gemma mentioned, the flavour of the dialogue was the same even if the actual words were different. The same was true of sitcoms. As for why, that's for the actors themselves to answer. Although I have heard one of the reasons is that the show has numerous writers writing dialogue for the characters while the actor has been playing the role and inhabiting the characters for years. So sometimes the actor thinks, no, my character wouldn't say it that way, they'd say it this way. Or sometimes the actor has trouble with a certain flow of words and changes it to something easier for them to say. I worked a couple of times with a voiceover artist who had trouble with the word grasped. He said all voiceover artists have their vocal obstacles and I'd imagine the same is true of screen actors as well. I'm sure there are plenty of other reasons as well. I thought that was really interesting really insight good, yeah. from, from a closed captioner as well. I think that was one of the things that I thought that I'd quite like to do when I was little, writing the, writing the subtitles for things. You can't just write what you like. I quite like putting my 888 on the teletext and finding out what the words were saying and thinking, um, oh, this doesn't completely match with what's on the screen. I very briefly um, tr- did some transcription work when I was at the local paper, and I can tell you, it's horrible and boring well joe got on with it for 10 years he says so you can get you can do anything for 10 years <laughs> if you get paid enough it was not int- that i think that it was good money i'm just saying it was interesting <laughs> what he was saying about um, years. i've been married to you for 11 interesting what he was saying about the, the characters <laughs> or the actors knowing the characters and how they would say things a lot more than the writers sometimes definitely. and that's definitely true especially for some characters that are in it not very much and you might get you know this character this act this writer sorry writes this episode that the character is in, then they don't appear again for three weeks and it's someone else. And if you've got a character that doesn't appear very many times in the year, it's there's no way for any kind of... Continuity. Yeah, continuity in, in, in what a character would say. So um, There must be, like, you know... Speech Bibles. style guides, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to find out. Um, but I suppose they have the script editors as well, so if somebody says something that doesn't quite right, then they can change that. But, um... Kirk here is referring to Socrates <laughs> and he's getting everything absolutely correct. This has got oh, to be changed. Kirk this week, the other thing that I didn't like was um, Not knowing, knowing what... what Mac is in Mac and Cheese. Bizarre. Right, um, Nancy, this is what she's got to say about last week's episode. When James was pulled over, I thought, is this cop going to get physical with him? He showed no sign of sympathy for the injury that James suffered. But yeah. this is a good opportunity for Craig to grow as a cop. I did like that discussion between Steve and Tim. Um, and James filing a complaint was brilliant. So I hope that um, Craig does grow because 
it feels like how long's he been doing it now? Two, three years maybe, and he's already getting this supposedly this promotion to detective, although things have gone a bit quiet on that. Um he feels still I very think. rookie-ish and that he he hasn't learned, you know, the ways of the streets or whatever, and he maybe sometimes goes with his heart rather than his head sometimes or, or what the rules say and um this this could be an opportunity for him to grow. Because I want to believe him as a as a police officer, but sometimes he doesn't come across as as you know, being a proper copper yet still. I think it's entirely possible that Craig could miss out on his promotion if he speaks out and goes against the grain here and yeah. makes a fuss and says, this isn't right. Because um, it's all very nice to believe in a world where you can stand up for what's right and suffer no consequences. But that's not the world we live in and that's not that's why people don't say anything mm. and um i can see him saying stuff and you know people coming up to him going look mate it's not worth it because nothing's going to change you're just going to get Brody in trouble um that you know what are they going to get out of it nothing do you really feel sorry for james like he's a rich footballer his leg's fine he hasn't suffered anything and you're going to ruin a whole a guy's career, and he's not—he's not even racist. I know him. You know him. You know he's not racist. So mm. why 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 make a fuss here? And and um, people won't be able to trust you. Do you want that? Like you, we sometimes we go out on on calls together, and you got to trust the guy you're with. Um, what you know, and then and then it starts to get sinister, and it you might turn to, who knows what would happen on a call with a cop, and you can't trust him. Anything can happen when. You're mm. alone together in a mm. sticky situation and you start to wonder if the other guy's on your side or not. Yes. But yeah, you're right, the, the promotion might it's not just they wouldn't been just thrown out there for no it's reason. It's not just, you know, um or you know, the awkward situation of having to correct a superior. You mm. know, it's it's the the social um ramifications of the job and you know, that there's a lot of Stick it. I nearly said a lot of bondage. I meant bond. <laughs> Bonding. You know, yeah, there's a lot of bonds between, and and it is you know it's a high pressure job and it is a sort of a team. Yeah. A team effort, isn't it? And when you are not playing, you know, if you're if you're making yeah, everyone knows what I'm saying. Shall I continue? Yes. Nancy continues, nod, nod, Todd being exposed at the calendar launch took me by surprise. Um, I'm surprised how slow he was to react, though. Mm. I do think Billy will take him back eventually, and I wonder if Todd will ever change. I hope George won't regret giving him another chance. Uh, Paul, though, clearly does not need Billy. Paul Um, needs, like, um, a smile machine yeah i know that hope will try to do something to alina so this is nancy's prediction as well um it's surprising that this has not occurred to tyrone yet (laughs) i loved it when fizz made a point of telling him that she ended things with phil she was not dumped yeah it was great to see that kelly is the one that had laura arrested and that imran and toya are standing by her i think Corey's going to be found guilty but kelly won't get off without some kind of penalty yeah that storyline was as uh completely quiet this week wasn't it uh maybe back next week uh, Dolly Rose Campbell was wonderful. I love watching Gemma's discussion on cochlear implants. And I give this week's episodes four ripped teddy bears out of five, with Michael being Nancy's character of the week. Thank you, Nancy. Rebecca has sent us an, um, messages and she says, enjoyed Michael and James' story this week. And I do agree with those who think that PC Brody was being racist. 
But on the other hand, I can understand the people who don't think he was being racist. I also think Craig will get pulled in by sticking up for Brody, which will leave him stuck in the middle. I just want to quickly say something about um, Brody being racist or not. I don't know that anyone's saying he's not being racist. I think it's more a question of the evidence doesn't prove enough one way or the other for anybody to take any action officially over his over what he did. Yeah. That's the sticking point here, that once you involve professional standards, there's a certain level of evidence that you must provide, surely, yeah. to uphold an accusation, which is in- incredibly grave and severe. And this is of no comfort to people who suffer from things like this happening to them continuously and constantly and it's just uh, you know we've got to give the sorry we'll give them the benefit of the doubt it wasn't they didn't mean anything by it that must get sickening to hear mm. continuously mm. this is why it's so um pervasive and difficult to root out because it's such a hard thing to, to accuse somebody of when you don't have proof the hard evidence yeah. and it, yeah anyway sorry rebecca um she says, I, I also like Michael and Grace, and I really like Grace happy. I feel Michael might tell her he just wants to be co-parents to Glory. I feel so sorry for Todd, and I know he's a wrong end, but I just don't like Billy and Paul together. Yeah. I've always thought it was a fill-in for Todd when Paul came into the show, and I don't see any chemistry between them. However, I do see them getting back together and maybe engaged this time next year, or maybe beforehand. Will Todd scheme to crash the wedding? Maybe. I love Ardy. He's such like Dev. Clueless in the ways of romance. It's brilliant. I do think Ardy and Summer will be together, but not for a while. Summer needs to be hurt and see what is in front of her. I enjoyed the unveiling and I was I was close that it would be shown... Oh. I enjoyed the unveiling and I was close that it would be shown at some celebration or gathering. I also don't know how we'll got the video up on the screen either. I love Hope. These kids with their technology, they do. They can do magic it now, to the cloud. They? Yeah. I love Hope. She was brilliant. As soon as that telly went missing on Wednesday, I was praying Hope had took it and ripping its head off by Friday. I was correct. I also think that with Hope ripping Alina and the baby up, that might be foreshadowing Alina losing the baby. Everyone's predicting it. I don't think we have seen the last of Phil yet. I quite like him, so I hope we haven't. Good to see Kelly again, and also Imran. Seems like ages since we've seen him. Love Laura getting arrested. She deserved it, and also glad it was Kelly who called the police on her. Finally, great to see the added story back in Dolly Rose needs props for learning sign language. Also good to see Fred Frida again for a purpose, not just shoehorned in. Character of the week is Todd with a side of Hope and Ardy. They give it four stories for wimps out of five. Oh, sorry, it's for wimps. <laughs> um, Richard has uh, written to us and said... Um, she, he, sorry, one of the many reasons I love your podcast is when you discuss a topic I've obviously watched but hadn't considered at the time how good it was. In last week's podcast, you discussed the signing scenes involving Gemma, Chesney, Frida and the other lady whose name I forget. These scenes were really impressive and Dolly Rose Campbell in particular seems to have done a great job in picking up the skill of signing so quickly, assuming that she didn't know how to do it beforehand. That's true, everyone, including myself, is assuming that she didn't know how to do this beforehand but she could just be secretly a pro like she's um she's a a sign language shark <laughs> uh, richard also has sent us um a bit of fan fiction hasn't he with a uh, that's inspired by the queen's recent visit to the street i don't think I, me and yours acting skills are up to performing this on the podcast this but, justice, um, i'm afraid no sadly not but um we we, we could at least like post it on the uh, on the facebook yeah we're gonna post it on our for, social media because it's absolutely brilliant so everyone can enjoy it thank you so much for sending that in richard it was absolutely fantastic all good fun i wish that we could um we could do it on the show but 
yeah, I think we would ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> Better to that it's performed with the voices in your head. Yeah. Susan says that she enjoyed your interview with Vicky Binns. Oh, well done, Michael. Very much. It's difficult for me to join your conversations about recent events on Corrie at the time they aired here. Uh, as by the time they aired here, everyone has already discussed. But may I just say, the Facebook group is an absolute delight. What a ni- what nice, funny people. Very dry and comedic. Yet sometimes people share quite harrowing experiences and the feedback is always supportive. If someone oversees this group, they do a very good job maintaining the tone. I know you don't allow spoilers, but for me, it's a wash with them. It is so funny because it's as if I'm indulging in true hardcore gossip. For instance, scrolling, then shock horror. Oh no, Alina is pregnant. I shout out to my husband. No, really? She can't be, he replies. <laughs> this is why we can't perform the... <laughs> Susan says, honestly, I can't believe myself sometimes. I do know the characters are not real, but I do love ignoring this detail. <laughs> anyway, well done, friends, wearing and maintaining such a Facebook group in these days of politics and concerns. It seems to represent the best of British. It reflects the humour and kindness of the contributors and love it. That's very kind words Susan, about the Facebook group. I... As much as it is a very British thing to take credit for what other people in different countries have achieved. We can't possibly, because it is a very international group, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not, it's, I wouldn't even say it's 50% of people I, d- I don't, no, no, it's not, I don't think it is. And also, I don't, we, we didn't necessarily inspire, well, we didn't come up with the idea. I think it was, it was Rebecca who was originally wanted us to put this Facebook group together. It well was, done, Rebecca. It was a good few years into the podcast since it was set up. I think it's a lovely place and very, very proud with how that's turned it's out. Not and, a and massive... Susan is definitely right to say that on the whole, people are pretty nice to each other there. We um, have, there are spats and definitely disagreements, but um, everyone is very sensible and I think that um, it's, it is a really nice group. If you want to talk to people about Corey, please join as long as you're not a, a dickhead to people. Um, but yes, but the, you she, know, she says think... that if somebody oversees the group, they do a good job, job of maintaining the tone. I mean, me, me no. and you and, and Rebecca have got moderation privileges. Rebecca, yeah, is so. But well, we don't need to do. Uh... She does so much for the for the show behind the scenes, um, but yeah, we don't. Um, I, I don't so know. Many I people think, behave themselves. I think we just attract people that um, aren't going to be mean. Maybe I don't know how that's happened because I'm horrible myself, but. Um, yeah, that every, uh, this is one of my main, um, not that I need to worry about this, but if a group of it gets really big, which it probably won't, <laughs> um, that I'm worried about. It's got that, like nearly 600 members in there. but that's certainly not very many. Yeah, but they certainly, we don't have 600 that contribute. I think there's lots of lurkers. There's definitely enough people there that you can have a discussion and you could get a thread going with lots of people talking yeah. about different stuff. And I know this is the, the thing, I never expected to have to cover so many controversial and triggering things as we have since we started the show. But considering some of the topics that are under discussion on the group, it is absolutely a miracle that we don't have more arguments and people falling out with each other. Oh, no. really sensible and we can discuss very complicated and nuanced things there. I think it's great. And as um, as uh, Susan said, the... the often and this is one of the i think this is probably the saddest thing about doing the podcast um is whenever something horrible happens on the show there's always somebody (laughs) who can say that resonated with me because it Mm. happened in my life as well and i um it's nice that people can share 
Yeah, and, for example, there were some people this say, week who were saying how affecting the miscarriage story was. Yeah. But it says you said it was for you as well, and I said it it wasn't for me, and it doesn't mean obviously mean that I don't have huge sympathy for people in real life that go through it. Well, um, I'm not trying to but, make you sound no, bad. No, I know, I know, but... Um, yeah, it's it's true. And, um... Well, it's important that if people feel that it is of benefit to them to share their experiences, which it does seem that it is, that they have somewhere to do that. And it's good that we have a Facebook group that that's where that can happen. And if you're listening to this and you're not in the Facebook group and you think, oh, that sounds quite good, actually, and you're on Facebook, then just go and search for Conversation Street, find the group within the page, which isn't immediately obvious, but it's not, it doesn't take too much searching to be able to find it. And then join in the discussion you just have to answer a couple of questions easy ones about do you want to watch coronet do you watch coronation street you want to talk about it or something uh, and then yeah, you're it's in not the like group. it's a it's a general knowledge question yeah but we're also on other places on social media like twitter and instagram youtube what do we do well, on you're YouTube? gearing up to end the show i am well, we have got our clear. cabin extra coming up later on like i said earlier i'm just doing my if you general don't want to hear a spoiler bit yeah if you don't want to hear the spoiler then don't listen much further than this but do listen to uh to this because i want to say thank you very much to our latest patron which is denise thompson who joined us this week thank, thank you very you. much we appreciate your support thank correctly. you lovely patrons but yeah um as I say, next week, um, hopefully we'll be able to have a, a midweek episode as normal. Um, we're we're, we're going to go to London to stay with um, and, and ask my sister's house for a few days, aren't we? So um, we don't know exactly what that's going to mean. And it will mean that uh, next weekend's main podcast is definitely going to be at least one day late. We'll try and we'll see what we can do with the with the, the midweek episode, but we can't make any definite, definite promises yet. Um, but... We are now going to move on to our cabin extra part. It's the news section. It's spoilery. Um, so if you don't want to know what's going on, then just stop listening now because it's going to ruin a couple of things for you. Gemma, are you ready? Well, I always like to ease people in. There's some characters. There are. Who? There have been many characters in the show's history. Be some of them have left. Coming. Back. And that's sure. Yeah, there is. We've got two. Um, this is One of these um, was revealed uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, but we didn't mention it on the podcast because there wasn't a huge amount of information and it wasn't even officially, officially, you know... Um, uh, official. Uh, yeah, publicised about it. But Claudia is coming back. I couldn't I, believe this I think I that the only reason that we know is because there have been a few, um, few snaps, haven't there? A few pap shots of, uh, of, uh, of Ruler being back on the well, show. Well, listen, the first... T- when she came back for the second time, how did we find out? Well, we saw her, didn't we? You cannot miss her. I don't think that's how we found out. Well, okay. But, yeah, we, we saw her after her first day of work on her last stint. She's unmistakable. She is um, has an aristocratic bearing and a mass of red hair. So, um, if you're anywhere near... Uh, the studio in Media City and she's wafting around with her gorgeous silken and uh, fragrances. You you will know, yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's been seen doing a few pappy shots. I don't think we want to describe necessarily where we've seen her or where she has been seen, but um, very, very good news because I honestly, when, when she left last year and it did feel quite abrupt and unexpected when um, she just decided, no, I'm staying here, it's still waters, can you go back to the street and that's it. Um, it, it, it even, though it was, even though it was abrupt, I did feel like, oh, that's it then, we're probably not going to see her again, which is a huge shame because um, Claudia's brilliant. She was great with um, 
especially the, some of the scenes that she had with Maureen Lippman, which there weren't yes. many of. Um, and I'm hoping that this is a chance to maybe give them a bit more screen time together. But obviously the uh, the thing that's going to be most pressing is how is how is Claudia, how are Claudia and Ken going to be with each other after having previously been in a relationship but now separated and 18 months later because William Roach is also back filming again at the moment. Do you think there's going to be... Um, are they going to get back together again or is it going to be a case of, oh, that was kind of fun for a bit but maybe we're not right for each other? Literally hadn't even thought about under what circumstances she would return because I know that she still owns the salon. I think that's right. I don't remember. I don't remember. There's been some... Funny things going on with the businesses ever since Ray bought up half the street and then it's just kind of, some of it's gone to Debbie, some of it, I, I don't think it really matters. But yes, she, she's she been at the retirement home. Um, I don't know much, I don't even know whether she's like staying for long or whether she's just in for, you know, a couple of weeks or something. But um, what a treat that is. Looking forward Looking to forward it. Looking forward to it. But um, and then this week we had um an official publicised reveal of another character who I was really not expecting to come back, which nice. is Zidane Nazir. Kazim actor is back in Coronation Street. Um, three years I'm gonna say after he made his last appearance. Um, now he went off to go and get married, didn't he? He um he was caught up in he the whole. He didn't go off to get married. He well, he went off and he got married. He kind of got ousted from his marriage to Rana after she shacked up with Kate. Yes. Um, and um, that was the last we saw of him, or so we thought. But now he's going to be back again. Um, and I was quite pleased to see this. I think by the time. I think uh, during his course on the show, we weren't necessarily, you know, mega, mega Zidane fanboys. But by the time he left, I think we felt quite defensive towards him because of yes. the way that he'd come out from the uh, of the Karna story. And he was being villainised by some of the Karna fans. Um, For literally doing nothing apart from daring to be married to the woman that he got married to. Yeah, and we we were supposed to be all for Kurt Runner and Kate together. Well, you can be all for them without, like you say, villainising somebody who literally just got in between them by accident. Mm. Yeah, so, um, and I think that building up the Nazir family group again is no bad thing. Um, Obviously, we're not going to have... Sharif or Cal back. One's no. one's kind of disgraced and the other one's kind of dead, the character that is. Um, so having these three back together is is, is great. Um, interesting that... What? Uh, just to say, it's interesting that um, this marriage that Zidane has got himself into is over already. I don't know whether we'll find out a little bit about that. And I'm very, very keen to find out is there going to be some kind of link here to um, to Rana's death because he hasn't been back to Weatherfield since Rana had a factory roof dropped on top of her. And I know that they were separated and everything by then, but I think maybe he would have something to say about it. There's still the lingering issue that Gary was the one who not only has killed Rick Nealon, but was behind the factory roof collapse. And so maybe this is going to be some way of precipitating his downfall and the big reveal, I don't know. Maybe it will remind Imran that he was still looking into that report stuff. Maybe, maybe. So Kaz has said, um, I'm excited to be back and getting stuck into an explosive storyline that I feel the viewers are going to love. Zidane's found himself in trouble yet again and I hope everyone tunes in to see madness unfold. Watch this space. 
So that's fairly vague. They, they I don't did... think Saddam gets himself in trouble. I think trouble happens around him. Mm. Yeah, he's fairly kind of he's stoic very placid, and yeah, yeah. Um, he well, doesn't he look angry? He got in the, angry uh... when he was wronged, but well, he when he came into it, he was Many very angry old teenager, wasn't he? An angry old teenager, and, and now he's an angry young twenty-something. Um, which can be annoying when the character's you know a bit too grumpy, as we found out with say George recently. But now I'm looking forward to it. Um, and uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, and um. There, there were more details on the Coronation Street website about the story that he was going to come really? into, but I know you haven't read them, no, and so I, I won't know. spoil it with you, but I think we're just kind of celebrating and marking the fact that he's back, which is quite Read good. Ian McLeod's quote. Ian McLeod has said, Kazim is a fantastic actor, and Zidane is a character with tons of connections in the show. Stretching it a bit. No, so I'm really excited to bring him back in what will really be a juicy story for the Nazirs. Zidane's made some mistakes while he's been off screen, but he's determined to be a better man. However, the path to redemption is strewn with pitfalls, and Ali and Yasmin end up getting sucked into the trouble that follows him to Weatherfield from his old life, threatening what promises to be Yasmin's fairy tale ending after her, her ordeal at the hands of Jeff. Right, so you say he isn't, he's not got that many links, but he does, because he's linked to Johnny through Kate and Rana. He's linked to Imran through Rana. Yeah. Um, and Yasmin and, and Alia, Alia, obviously. And, and therefore Ryan. And then um, uh, the, the speed doll. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean... And see what's is going he going to be there. annoyed about that? Because that was his business. Yeah, maybe. And now it's owned by... Blimmin, Alia and Yasmin. Yeah. Is it, do they, does Eileen, does Elaine have a stake in it? I can't remember. That was, there was, that was. Yeah, so that's through Tim uh, then, possibly. isn't it? And Sally. Yeah. I, I, I want to know what um, Zidane's got to say about Yasmin's ordeal with Jeff and the fact that he didn't show up at all during that. Like, he wasn't there during the trial, wasn't dead when, when she was, you know, injured or anything. When he was in the show, Zidane was portrayed as a rather traditional young man who adhered quite strictly to the rules of his religion. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine him thinking that Yasmin had been let down by Jeff because he is supposed to be the patriarch of the family because he had that kind of idea about him and, and Rana, didn't he? Yeah. Now, I'm really interested about these this trouble that he's got into and it makes me wonder what that could be. I, I don't can't know remember if... whether the web page said it because I had a little Why brief scan of it. Why are you saying web page? Like you're from 1995. I de- the blog. Um, I, I definitely read it but it was kind of a scan read because I didn't want to spoil myself too much and maybe it does say but I'm so he's, he's been married so perhaps he has children. Possibly. Um, and now he's come back and it says um, sucking in... Alia and Yasmin. Now they are both... <laughs> Babysitting duties. I wonder whether he's got money troubles and he's going to try and make them sell speed dial or something mm. or give him money from from the house because she's just gotten over... Yasmin has just gotten over all the um, financial abuse that Jeff put her through. And uh, I really honestly can't think of much because they're making out here that Zidane's got some kind of history of doing anything outrageous but he doesn't like his whole story arc was i'm a grumpy teenager that's good at at cricket um 
I, then I discover that I'm actually quite good at cooking out like, of nowhere. Yeah, and so my passion is cooking. I open a... I get a van. My wife shags a woman inside it. And then I buy a restaurant by extorting her family. Then I feel bad about it. Then they get together anyway. Then I leave because I'm so embarrassed. And then she dies in a when a factory falls on her head. And I just never come back. <laughs> So, like, he didn't ever do anything outrageous or explosive or... No, I don't and think he, so. And I felt, like, once the da- once Sharif had left the family, like, he felt that he was the patriarch. And I, I wonder... They never were overt with his um, Islamic faith, but I do wonder whether he felt like... Because I know this is this can happen in, in Muslim families where the man feels like he's spiritually responsible for the family following the rules and things. And I wonder if he comes back and there's bloody Yasmin down in bottles of wine and <laughs> Alia shacking up with Ryan and going, hang on a minute, what's happened here? Oh, when I left, everybody was, you know, observant Muslims. And now I've come back and you can't even remember when Ramadan is. What's going on? Yeah. You know maybe. what I mean? Like, they, the, like it, he was... I don't know whether they all do that because they always seem a bit scared of... Delving too much into a because character's I, beliefs. I don't know whether they're being respectful and saying we actually don't know what we're talking about here, so we won't even go there. Mm. But that's not particularly a useful thing, is it? You can just hire somebody <laughs> on the writing staff who knows what they're talking about. But um, I, th- I that would be really interesting to me. But from what Ian McLeod's quote here and Kazim's quote, it does feel a bit like they've just gone, nah, Zidane... Old Zidane, old Zidane. This is new Zidane, and he's explosive, and he's, he's grown, got he's a troubled past. Yeah, and um, he also can't remember um, the rules of Ramadan and <laughs> that you're not supposed to drink water. Well, we will see because I mean he's he's been filming already apparently, so it's going to be um, I think mid September, maybe mid to late September when he's coming back. So only my, a month or so away. My fantasy is that this ties in to some kind of actual. Um, proper conclusion to Gary and Rick's story, which involves um, Zidane and Imran and everybody Kelly. and Kelly and um, everybody finding out what's actually happened to Rick and somehow, because I honestly think that Corey was building up to this last year, but yeah. they didn't do it because of the because of the pandemic. So. Um, I just want some kind of dramatic Gary is the villain story that we have been building up to because he still hasn't had so justice for killing Rick, even though he says it was mm, blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, and we also I want it to come out that Wayne hid the report <laughs> under. If you want to know more yeah, on that theory, then make sure you listen to this week's bonus podcast, which is some listener questions, wasn't it? Where yeah. we had, where we talk about two handers and the, and one of them was Wayne and, and Roy, I think, that you said. And you had a very good reason. Right. Thank you. We are done. It is ten to one. It's one of the latest. We oh, finished geez. podcast for quite a while. We've got to get up early because um, my dad's coming day. to visit tomorrow. And we need to finish tidying the house. So um, we will leave you there, everybody. Hope you like this podcast. Hope you got something out of it. But it made you think. Even if it made you entertained. was just rolling your eyes. Yeah, just something like that. Anyway, we're going to go to bed. So, um... See you next week, hopefully midweek, definitely weekend. Oh, God. What? Thank you for listening, everybody. The music from this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Bye.